here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, big bitch, Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? It's a good thing they protected Emma. You're already doing the you're already doing the victory lap. Why wait? Seconds in. You're right. You're right. I was thinking, and, and of course, we have no production meeting, so, but I, I don't want to harp on it too much because I think that the win and the W is so large and so obvious that, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you don't necessarily have to brag about it because we were so right and it was so obvious. And then to make, to make matters even better, like, so you, you, the Emma, you know, Emma is history. She gets released or whatever. And then they have Oscar like just bury a jobber on Raw and beat her in like seconds. And it's just like there, there's so many L's getting thrown or, or, or so many W's getting thrown around there. It was just like, you know, and that was my thing is like, I don't know that we necessarily have to brag too much because we didn't hear a thing. It was it was very quiet in our mentions. It's weird how. Yeah, it's everybody, funny. Yeah, I know. So that's but I like that more because I know that those people are thinking about it and they're just like, yes. oh, man, like that, to me, that's better than coming on here and being like, oh, we were right. We were right. Like, I want those people to think about it and just be like, oh damn it like i spent days arguing with these guys about how to build people and all this sort of stuff and what emma was worth and all this sort of stuff and then they fucking release her and then oscar beats a jobber and it's just like the biggest w we could ever possibly have just in one in like 48 hours they just gave us every single thing and we were just so right i mean that was a squash victory for us you know, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, when you when you squash a guy, you just kind of get out of the ring. You, you know, you don't you don't go in there. You pose a little bit. You can give a little pose, but you don't need to pose that much. You don't need to cut a promo. You just you, you kind of what you do the little hand thing. Like, you know, you kind of wipe your hands and you and you bounce because it's just like it's obvious what I did here. It's obvious I just destroyed this man. I mean, we could even put people like Undertaker style. We could throw him in a body bag, really, because we absolutely killed that argument. It's dead. It's gone. Where are they though? Our our, our mentions were crawling with, with these geeks. Couldn't get rid of them for a full week. Coming in, being sarcastic, quote tweeting us, thinking they're making an example out of us. Where are they now, Rich? You're right. None of them have made a return appearance to the mentions. Where are they? Where are they? Where are these people defending it now? They're gone. That is the most emphatic W that you can possibly ever. T- I mean, it, it, it couldn't have worked out any better. And you're right. They're sitting there and they're thinking about it, which is why they've all disappeared off the face of the planet. I'm begging for them to come back. They're all gone. Ancient history. Where's McCarran? I hear McCarran. <laughs> I don't hear McCarran flapping his mouth either. Like they're all gone, all of them. 
I think our buddy, uh, you know? uh, Mr. Sean Ross Sapp, he was, he was going in the other way and then just going so sarcastically or whatever to be like, oh, they finally did it. You know what I mean? Like in that sort of sense yeah. to sort of deflect from the obvious, you know, that, that, you know, he got bodied. In, in the that, yeah, yes. Right. That, 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 that L's were taken all around by anyone who was on that side of the argument. I mean, just to a massive degree. So, because well, the edge thing was, did the edge thing break by the time you and I talked last week? I don't, now I don't remember when. When was that thing where Edge and Christian on their podcast were like, "I don't get it. She doesn't do anything for me." Oh, that would. I mean, yeah, was that no, our that first? Was, that, that was like the first sign of the W, right? And then it yes. just like build up over the weekend because that was like Friday or Saturday. I mean, Edge and Christian, out, right? Edge and Christian made our point for us. Here are two guys who admittedly do not watch much NXT at all, and they have, and they had no idea why Asuka was such a big deal and didn't understand the hype. Which is basically just laying our point on a platter. That anyone who was unfamiliar with her would have no reason to understand why she was a big deal. And these are two people in the wrestling business. But they don't watch NXT. And they made our point for us. And then, of course, on, uh, what was it, Sunday, I guess? Sunday, yeah. Sunday during the day. Yeah, Sunday during the day is when all the, the, the releases were happening. And this couldn't have worked out better. No, it was I mean, like one after another. And then, just, man, the yeah. Monday just slept it away. And then Asuka comes in there and just fucks that girl up. And it's just like, boom. It's everything. Like, it's we've, 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 we've had some Ws on the show. But this this one, for and, and how quickly it all happened. And how quiet and the way it was laid out. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was like it was like one domino after the other. It was Edge and Christian representing the universe fans and saying, I don't get it, seems overhyped, whatever. Emma getting released after people were like, Well, you gotta protect Emma. I mean, what do you do if you you can't just beat Emma? Like, what no, you can beat Emma because Emma's getting released, and they knew she was getting released, which makes it even more perplexing. Which makes it even worse. Yeah. And then on Monday, Asuka just goes out there and fucks a jobber up, and it's just like Yeah. It's 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 great. It's it, I've we we've I don't think we've had a better seventy two hours uh, in in our lives. I don't know if oh, I've had a better was, one either. It was, just, of, it was fantastic. It was just amazing. I mean, it, it was amazing. <laughs> it was such a great euphoric feeling to just like you said, just body everybody in successive fashion. Each day of the week, it just got worse. For them. <laughs> right, I know it was the best. Each each day of the week, because like on Monday, if Oscar went in there and just had like a. 50-50 match again and like that same argument would sort of happen but every argument just got destroyed and yeah. blown under thrown in the body bag Undertaker slung it over his shoulder and walked to the back and it was over you'll never see that job again Barry Hardy is dead he's yes. gone you were all Barry Hardy by the way we are the Undertaker oh yeah we beat up a bunch of jobbers you know for like a year and a half yeah but that's you, you all got jobbed out this week every single one of you every geek Reno Riggins all you fucking Reno Riggins is they're all listening, but they're all running and hiding on Twitter. You can't find them with a search party now. You can't find them. But hidden in all this is someone lost their job. Right. Which, um, you know, obviously you're never pleased when people lose their job. But I would like to take you back, Rich, to two weeks ago on the show, because I still have to pour some more salt and do a little more. You know, we're talking about jobbers, right? I've got to pat myself on the back, Barry Horowitz style. Uh, a little more here, because if you go back two weeks when we previewed the uh, the the TLC pay-per-view, I actually made the remark that if this company were to do another round of firings, that Emma would be one of the first people on the chopping block. Did I not say that? You did, yes. Correct. Yeah. Uh, was Emma one of the first people they cut when they uh, decided to do some firings uh, I again? I refresh my memory. I, I don't uh, recall I think, what think, happened yeah, on Sunday. Okay. So right. we're just all full of win here. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> been an incredible uh couple of days i i couldn't i could have chomping at the bit rich to do this show all week long 
Uh, could not wait. Didn't even, yeah, you're even happy that I, I did I did one of your things. I did the internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, and you didn't even. No, I just know. wanted to get right to it. I wanted to get. I, know, I could tell. I, I was like, oh, here's uh, finally Joe's going to say, oh, thank you for finally. You know, you, you had to add the big bitch part in, though, anyway. But then you went right to the other thing. So, you know. You no, were, I, I thought know. you were salivating for it. You, you were. No, I'm not. I, listen, there's no time for goofing around. <laughs> I got to let people know we were right. Which, I mean, let's face it, most of the time we are. But I had to let people know that we were right. So that like right in the, in, in the, in the, in the most bigly way possible as our uh, now deleted Twitter account president would say, he's back. He's back. Don't oh, worry. He's back. Oh, he's the back. Twitter account's back. Okay. That didn't last long. What no, I, I, like 11 minutes. I think. Yeah. It was apparently a, a rogue Twitter employee just went and deleted it. So, <laughs> Oh, so well, yeah, that was old news. Uh, I feel like that just happened. That's no, yeah, I think. Well, it's, you know, stuff breaks when we do this podcast. God only knows what's happening right now in the world and, and in the wrestling world while we're recording this. Because if you want something big to happen, you tell you tell Joe and Rich to get on and record a podcast. And within, definitely within, what, eight minutes or so after we're done hitting record, when I when I hit stop recording, I go on Twitter and something big has happened. Somebody is, has gotten fired. Something huge has happened. TNA is for sale. You know what I mean? Like every single time within eight minutes. It's not even like it's like the next night or the next morning or whatever. It's like within eight fucking minutes of us. No, it's the same night. Show. Right? It's every time. Like I, I go and I sit down and it's like, ah, the people are like, oh, you should do a show. I'm like, no, I just got done talking for three hours. Massive news. And then, and then what happens is because then it's a full week before, then it's like old news and we can't talk about it the following week because then a thousand other podcasts mm-hmm. have already beaten it to the ground. It's old news. Nobody cares anymore because it's seven day old news at that point, you know? So, we kind of get screwed on both ends of that when that happens every single week. Um, but yes, Emma uh, released, no surprise here, um, along with uh, two other pieces of talent. Summer Ray was released. I don't think she's wrestled a match since like 2015 or something. Yeah, it's been like something like 18 months or something, I think was the exact term or whatever. She did the thing with Rusev and, and, and Lana last year. But yeah, in terms of like in-ring, it's been, it's been quite a few months. I mean, yeah. quite a few years, actually. I mean, yeah, almost over two years now. And there's stuff going on there with injuries and, and the company not handling them properly. I don't think that story's done. I think there's more to come with uh, with the Summer Ray thing. Maybe the Emma thing. Didn't Emma have an issue with an injury too, if I'm not mistaken, that they misdiagnosed? And uh, I think that's correct. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, I mean, I know Darren Young, obviously, he's hurt right now. Or I, I think, was he back yet or no? Was he still hurt from? Uh, he was. He hit was, his elbow, right? I believe he was cleared, but okay. I don't believe he had wrestled on TV. But all three had some sort of recent history of injuries in some form or fashion. Yeah. Well, so, Darren uh, Young spent more time injured than healthy, but yeah. Yeah, um, right. Yes. Uh, Darren Young, the third person released. Now, that's the guy who, you know, I've been saying for years. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, he was one of the five least talented people on the roster. He really served no purpose. The guy was just a waste of the space. Um, he wasn't good in the ring. He wasn't particularly in a car- I don't know. To me, he wasn't particularly charismatic at all. Um, he wrestled two matches. Uh, I'm sorry, not two matches. He wrestled all of the month, pretty much all of October. And uh, part of he came back in September. He wrestled all of September and all oh, of October. Okay, yeah, I must have not have. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't really jump off the page. No, they were, yeah, all, they, were all, they were all house shows. He didn't wrestle on TV. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense then. That's he didn't. I was like, I, I swear I didn't see him, but okay, that makes sense then. No, he, he was injured in January. He returned to the road in September, but he did not wrestle on TV, and then he was then he was cut. Um, he was working uh, tag matches, teaming with Goldust, uh, and it looks like they were facing Kurt Hawkins and Curtis Axel on the wow. Loop. To be on it, to be a fly on the wall in one of those shows, man, 
And then uh, then he was t- then they switched it up and they had uh, Goldust and Titus O'Neil going over Kurt Hawkins and Darren Young on the next loop. And then he was then he was fired. So he, you know what? You know you're in a bad spot in that company, guys. Who you're not even a face or a heel. You're whatever you need to be that night. Yeah, that's whatever whatever they need. Time. Yeah, whatever they need. You're you're the utility guy. That's that's yeah. It's not ideal. <laughs> when, yeah. When you're, yeah, that that's probably was not gonna. But I mean, he wasn't any good. I uh-huh. I don't know how he lasted. No, no. He did. I mean, he he was a he was a just a he was totally just a guy in the ring, a total jag, like in every way, bell to bell. Um, the Bob Backlund thing was goofy and just didn't work. Um, I guess. Forgot what would that. be the Jesus? That was the worst. What would be the pinnacle of his run? I guess the the tag team with Titus O'Neil. Right? Yeah, yeah, I would. Unless do, you yeah. want to go all the way back to Nexus or something. I mean, like yeah, that. honestly, like you might, it might be a reasonable case to uh, Nexus, but yeah, I mean, other than like in terms of something at least on his own or not, you know, non stable or whatever, it would it would definitely be the tag team with Titus Young or uh, Titus O'Neil. But yeah, really, I, the real pinnacle might be you know the the Nexus run because I know for a fact he was in that. Um, He's in a Survivor Series match, correct? The big, uh, the big one, John Cena, where he just defeated them all, and, like made them all like, geeks, and they just all kind of went away. I, I, I almost thought he was in there. So yeah, that was kind of, um, yeah, that's probably it. I mean, that's honestly probably his peak is, is that tag team or you well, know whatever. whatever well, he yeah, he he did he. No, he didn't. I'm sorry. That was uh, Slater and uh, and the Darewolf were tag champs, right? Yeah, I don't know if he ever had any titles. But no, he did with O'Neill. Yeah. He did with O'Neill. Well, no, no, no. I meant like singles, singles titles. No, no, no singles titles. But he had the tag team titles with Titus O'Neill at one point. Right. Yeah. But the tag team titles, yeah. I was thinking there was there were there were Nexus combinations that held the tag teams, but I think it was uh, yeah. It was Justin. It was Justin Gabriel and 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 Slater, I believe, were tag team. It wasn't Young. Wasn't one of them. Um, yeah, well, that was I, I think. Well, that was when they were the core, I believe. He slid yeah, and Gabriel yeah. when they were the core right. two R's, and then uh, no, you know what? I think they held it at Nexus too. Yeah, actually, you know what? Here, uh, yeah, they did. They held it for both. I'm, I'm on KB. Are you looking now. at it? Okay. Yeah, they held it as Nexus uh, as Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel, and then they also held it when they were in you know their breakoff group, the core. They held it. They held it three times. The uh, the team of Heath Slater yeah. and Justin Gabriel. So there you go. But uh, yeah, no uh, no other ones for Darren Young. Just the but uh, even in the even in the Nexus days, Darren Young was always sort of a background player, though. Yeah, basically anybody. Everybody just laughed that he looked like a really like tan John Cena, and that was about. He looks like extent. John Cena with a Kitamiya tan. Yeah, that was it. That was the extent of of Darren Young. It's like, wow, he looks a lot like John Cena, right? Like, yeah. And then and then that's all anybody ever talked about him for you know like ten years. So other than of course the team, he just, just, just wasn't so. yeah. very good. I mean, in a company where everyone's pretty good, I mean, he just wasn't very good. Uh, there was, I mean, what there's just no value to the guy. There was nothing you can really do with him. Um, uh, Emma, I mean, I, I believe, look, to me, let's put whatever mysterious injury things are aside. I do think they could have done more with Emma. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, look, there was the Walmart heist, which I didn't she get fired for a day or two and then hired. Uh, yeah, yeah. She was briefly fired for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, there's also, you know, rumblings that she wasn't the nicest person behind the scenes but you know that kind of stuff it always depends who you talk to right i mean there's going to be people who are friends with her there's going to be people who don't like her um so who knows with that but i always got the sense that it was political or her attitude or something going on behind the scenes that 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 ended up pumping the brakes on her all the time 
Um, I, I, I don't know why I just always had that feeling with her. No, I mean, it was obvious um, because I think there was always a sense that everybody kind of knew she was pretty good. Everybody knew she she had some amount of charisma. It just never seemed to – they would never just go that next step. They would never just kind of give her anything meaningful. And then when they did give her something meaningful or what we thought was going to be meaningful, the, the vignettes, then we find out that just like one day they decided to drop it all and she wasn't good at it and all that. Sort of stuff. So it always, it always felt like, yeah, what, she's there and it's obvious and everybody kind of knows that she's pretty talented and, and, and could have a role but never did have a role. So whenever that happens, you always wonder there's something there that somebody brings her name up and there's some face that Vince McMahon makes or whatever, or somebody makes a face and they bring her up and then they just don't do anything with her. And then, you know, four months down the line, they bring her name up again. And Vince makes that face or whatever, or whoever it was, somebody made some sort of thing where it just never really quite happened with Emma. Cause it was obvious she had talent. It was obvious there was something there if you wanted to give her that, that platform, but they never gave her that platform. So you had to know that there was something, whatever, be it attitude, like you're saying, be it the, the Walmart thing or, or whatever, or just she, maybe she just didn't project herself enough to, to the guys uh, and girls in that company that matter or whatever. I, I don't know what it was, but yeah, it never, it never did just quite click with her. And it was always kind of perplexing how they had her and, and how talented she was in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not like she was a world beater. It's not like she was, you know, going to be the top tier, you know, women's wrestler on, on the entire brand or whatever, or, or in the entire company. But you knew that there was something there that they could use. and They just never utilized her at any level whatsoever. Except, you know, to go 50-50 with Asuka when you're debuting her. But. Well, I think that um, she was also one of the early and one of the first of those NXT small room acts that got over in NXT that just failed miserably on the main right. roster. Oh, people forget about that. The dancing with, gimmick. I mean, that yeah. was a thing. That was like a, a phenomenon in NXT, the little dancing yes. thing. And then she came out that first night on Raw, I remember, and did it. And like four people in the crowd did it. And I, you know, Vince McMahon threw his headset down and was like, God damn it. You know what I mean? Like, and then, and, and then paired with Santino, which is the case. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we talked, if you remember, we talked about it at the time. Like they did yeah. not get anybody ready. They, that was one of those weird instances where they just assumed that everybody knew NXT. So when yep. she came out with that music, they were thinking, oh, well, 15,000 people are going to start doing the Emma dance. And instead five people did it. Yeah. And it, it looked like a complete failure. And it, it never caught on. It never, ever caught on because they never made it. It was just like, hey, here's this girl. She does a funny dance. And then within two weeks, like you said, she was with Santino. And then that was kind of off the rails from there. Oh, yeah. If you, t- if, if you pair anyone with Santino, you're telling everyone that they're a prelim level person you're not supposed to care about. So that was it for that. Now, what they did was they did at some point along the line, the heist occurred. I, I, don't, I may not have the timeline correct, obviously. I'm not, a, I'm not an Emma historian. You might be surprised to know, Rich. That I'm not an Emma historian, but at some point the heist occurred. But but even after the dancing thing failed, that was 2014, if I remember correctly. It was it was summer of 2014. Well, she was one of the people who they sent back to NXT to rehab. They repackaged her. Her and Tyson Kidd were one of the the, the two big ones that came back. Yeah, and uh, you know, and actually, you know, Tyson Kidd's run, you know, in the early days of the takeovers. Uh, you know, it was a great run. I, I love that Tyson kid run. Um, but, but Emma as well was someone who was sent back down repackaged. So they did put some effort back into her, even after she failed on the main roster, even after she got arrested for shoplifting, they still put some effort back into her at the NXT level. And then, like you said, they did the Emelina thing. It just never happened. They never had a chance to fail. And then uh, she went right back to the sunglasses and the, and the fingerless glove deal that she was doing in NXT. And that takes us up to current day where she was just a prelim wrestler and it went nowhere. And, and it was very obvious that her days were numbered. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think she was talented enough to do more with. I, I, I just, you know, I, I, I just have a feeling there was something else beneath the surface. Darren Young, I thought was useless. I thought he lasted. I mean, you could have released that guy 
what four years ago and it wouldn't have made a difference. I mean, he just there was nothing there with him. And uh, and Summer Rae, I don't know what anybody saw in her. I know she's got fans out there. I never saw a thing in Summer. Yeah, Rae. no, I I, I I was I'm also left every time I would always just kind of be like, yeah, okay. I mean, I I have a different TV because I it just doesn't do anything. I just don't me. get it. I mean, yeah, even I, the Rusev, even when she was in the act with, with not wrestling, but even in the Rusev act, there was just nothing there for me either. So yeah, that's not one that I'm I'm terribly you know upset or whatever about. But I'm sure that one, like you said, that one's not over. There's that's gonna remember that name. That's gonna rumble up again at some point. Yeah, it's just I mean, because come on. I mean, she didn't step into a ring for 18 months. Um, there were there, there's some kind of injury thing going on there that they potentially botched. Um, so I don't think you've heard the last um, from that situation. I think that they were just uh, I, I don't know what was going on. I mean, they were paying her for almost two years to do nothing. So, you know, it's it's like that's a long time to pay somebody who never really was pushed ever. I mean, what was the biggest push? You know, I guess she was Fandango's dancer for a while. Um, and then, like you said, did sort of the Rusev um, uh, love rectangle, I guess you would call it, with Rusev <laughs> and Lana and was Dolph, right? And, Dolph and, um, yeah. and what else? I mean, as far as in the ring, I don't remember her ever getting any kind of sustained push, being involved in any long-term program. Um, so to keep someone around that long who you never did a thing with and really you know, most casual fans wouldn't even notice that they were gone. I mean, there's got to be something else there. So, um, and, and again, this is a company that just doesn't release people, you know, and, and they release three people, uh, two of them, you know, with, with long injury histories, you know, not, you know, one currently injured and one that had just returned. So kind of weird that all three of them have, have weird injury histories too. And, and they all get released at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. It was in all recent stuff too. So yeah, that, that, that is definitely a, a little interesting, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a shock because, and, and people were kind of looking over and say, Oh, there's going to be more and there's going to be more. And I, as far as we know right now, as, as we're recording this, of course, you know, in eight minutes after we stop recording, I'm sure something else will happen. But as we record now, uh, that, that's been it. That's been the only releases so far, but there was been other names that's been kind of bandied about, but so far uh, that's it. So there was a big rumor that a tag team was going to be mm-hmm. released, and then that the, the club was the name that emerged. And um, there was talk that they might have want they they might be asking their way out anyway because they're not thrilled to be there. And and but that n- nothing ever came of that. I believe they're in Europe right now, right? Or they oh, went correct. on that year. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then that they, oh, there's always rumors that 205 Live Talent is on the chopping block. Uh, but again, nothing really materialized in the way of that either. So I, I don't know. I, it, it seems like, uh, um, the time may have passed. I don't, I don't think anybody else is getting cut. And of course, like you say, I'll sound like an idiot because it'll happen tonight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, also some other stuff, uh, speaking about WWE business, uh, they had their, their quarterly filings as well. And we used to do a lot of coverage of that, but, uh, we don't really do that much anymore because we have WrestleNomics radio on this network, which is Chris Harrington and Brandon Harrington, uh, Chris Harrington and Brandon Howard. We have no need to, I mean, those guys absolutely destroy us in any possible you and I covering the quarterly filings. So if you, if you're curious about that, if you, if you want to know kind of what's going on with WWE business, WrestleNomics radio, they did an episode last week. Uh, they'll do one again this week as well. They're going to be your source for, for any of those quarterly filings things. Cause those guys know it through and through and actually know what all this shit means versus you and I being like, ah, hey, yeah, this doesn't look good. Huh? You know, like we used to do that a lot. We used to have a lot of fun with it, but there's no need for us to do that anymore. You know, you know, there's absolutely zero reason when there's two experts, like the, the top experts in pro wrestling business are on our very own network. So there's no need to do that. So definitely uh, check out WrestleNomics Radio as well. So if you're curious why we're not going to talk about that, that's why, because they're going to cover it and they're going to do a much better job than we would. So why well, you got Barrios? Well, I mean, 
Um, am enhancing our, our... You did the very same thing on Wrestling Omakase, sir. Did you not? I did. You did. You what said, I, you know, we, we put people in positions where they're better at. You know, we don't need to do that. You know, I did do that. That's, that. that's a good point. <laughs> right, so I did say that. Because it's you and I going like, yeah, it looks like they're making money. But like, you know, those guys know it through and through. They study it. They have charts. They have graphs. They got everything that looks pretty. So Russell, oh, well, listen, make- if you have charts and graphs. Uh- <laughs> the pretty charts, too. They're pretty charts, pretty graphs, good stuff. But no, those are those are like the dudes in terms of WWE business. And, and they're both, uh, they're on our network. So, I mean, yeah, definitely go listen to that if you're interested on in hearing about that. Because it was a very interesting um, quarter for, for WWE. I mean, obviously, profits are, are, are doing quite well. The TV deal is, is still a big part of what they're doing. But there's some other stuff in there, too, bubbling and, you know, in the, uh, below the surface other than just the money that they're making. But at the end of the day, they're, they're making money hand over fist. So, um, you know, <laughs> things, things are, you know, attendance and all that be damned. They're they're still raking it in, so uh, we'll see. I did see some people be like, "Yeah, look, Jinder Mahal's their champion, and they won, you know, their their largest quarter ever, and Jinder's their champion." So, like, yeah, all you people say that he sucks. It's like, okay. Well, I mean, there's a yeah, thing he negotiated that TV deal too, you know, through years. Correlation issues there, but that's, that's <laughs> right, fine. Right. But yeah. if that's what you want to do, if that's your victory lap, then that's your victory lap. Enjoy it. That's, that's well. I mean, you're right. you're gonna trip ten paces into it, and fall <laughs> but that's fine. If that's what you want to do, you you go ahead, you do that, but. Um, Rich, yes. he's congratulations working like, Jinder Mahal on that uh, TV deal that he signed. That he's, a, he's working fourth from the top on the B show. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? You know, it's uh, come man, on. USA is paying him a lot per month for that right to have. I don't, yeah, that, that's that's your victory. I enjoy, but I definitely like uh, Russell Mcsorry. They did a great job uh, last week, and I know they'll have a show this week as well uh, to check out. Uh, before we get to other topics going on in our show, Joe, I know you want to let the people know about our friends at Dollar Shave Club. That's Rich's way of saying that I'm doing the read this week. Radio silence. <laughs> By now, everyone knows that Dollar Shave Club ships amazing razors for a few bucks. Everybody knows that. Both Rich and I have been members for a while, and we love our shaves. What you might not know, we didn't, is that Dollar Shave Club also has products for pretty much everything else in the bathroom. Body wash, shampoo, hair gel, lip balm, everything. Dollar Shave Club makes it easy and convenient for you to upgrade your shave and your bathroom. Just like their razors, everything is super high quality and left us looking and feeling amazing. From premium ingredients to sophisticated scents, do you enjoy those sophisticated? Oh scents? yeah, I'm a big scent. You know, I'm. I'm a, I don't. You might not know this about me. I'm a big candle guy. You probably assume that. You, you knowing me, you probably assume that I enjoy candles. Well, I do a lot. So I. We, we've talked about your candles. Have we? Okay. So scintillating yeah. scents are. Oh, they have sophisticated scents. I like sophisticated and. These are. Uh, sophisticated. I like all scents. Yeah, I like all scents. Not all scents. Some scents are bad. Sophisticated scents, I like though. Well, Rich, if you're like me, <laughs> you're you're sick of the nonsense at the store. And let me tell you something. Joe Lanza hates store nonsense. I don't like talking to anybody. Now's the time to try out Dollar Shave Club if you, like me, are sick of the nonsense at the store. For a limited time, Dollar Shave Club is basically giving away their shit shower shave starter set to new members. And that's what the copy says. Shit shower and shave starter set for new members. For only $5, this starter set features their executive razor. That is the one Joe Lanza uses. And three trial-sized versions of their most popular products that will help you Stay fresh and clean. In your first box, you will receive the shave butter, the body wash, and, of course, the one-wipe Charlie butt wipes. You will also receive their executive razor, premium weighty handle, and a full cartridge of cassettes. I believe it comes with four uh, uh, cassettes, if Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. After the first box, replacement cartridges are sent for only a few bucks a month. This offer is exclusively available at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Dollar Shave Club's high-quality products will have you covered from face cheeks to butt cheeks 
there is no better time to try the club. We have many ways to go here. I believe we should start with the power struggle preview. And uh, from there, we're going to do a few places that we don't normally talk about on a week-in, week-out basis. We're going to preview Bound for Glory and uh, do some other random TNA slash Impact slash Global Force Wrestling slash Global Force Network slash Explosion slash Scott Demore's Vanity Project. Whatever you want to call it, whatever it's called this week, we've got some more notes on them. Right now, Rich, I'm actually watching this week's Impact Wrestling. Yuji Okabayashi and Masa Kitamiya are on my television screen. <laughs> yes. And it is bizarre. In a dark and, green um, ring on Impact. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something else. The last two weeks of Impact with these, uh, you know, bouncing around the world here with the crash and Border City Wrestling and Noah and random Mexican indies and then right back to the Impact Zone and everything. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I love I it. Know. Yeah, I, I I fucking love it. It it's it I would so much rather watch this than like a bunch of guys cutting promos in front of a dead crowd in the impact zone. I will a hundred percent prefer the, the clip show and then the go home show, which which I watched a little bit earlier in the day. Um had a really cool because it was it was those clips that you're talking about. It's the match that you're talking about, and then there's a match I think that happened. It was a women's match that happened in in, in Canada. I'm, I'm blanking on the promotion. Border uh, City, oh, yeah, Border City, yeah. So it was a Border City one, and then there was uh, an, an Impact Zone match. It was like an X Division match that came up, and then they spliced that in with a ton of hype videos for Bound for Glory. And it was like exactly what I want out of a, a go home show, and exactly what I think works for pro wrestling shows these days because these hype videos are, are well done. There's guys cutting good promos. You had um, Dan Lambert come out and cut an amazing promo. That guy's fucking incredible. His promos are nuts. This is this is not our, our Bound for Glory preview. We're going to do that here in a little bit. But that's, to me, you know, whether whether you think these have been boring and whether you're you're confused at what they're doing, this is kind of the wrestling show that I, I, I want to see this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? I Because it's a different format. It's not your normal, okay, guy go to the ring, guy cut promo, match, guy backstage guy cut promo in the ring match like you know what i mean like that's sort of, we've gotten so used to that and so manufactured tna has has forever been very similar to WWE in the same sense where the show just runs exactly the same and roh is kind of the same style as well these days whereas these are like different this is a unique wrestling show it's a unique approach to a wrestling show and i i, I kind of like it i don't know it's, it's just it kind of hits you over the head a little bit differently and, and there's something unique about it and there's something fun i mean it it, it i don't know if it's gonna wear off i don't know if you're gonna kind of get bored by that but I'm all aboard, you know, just going to different promotions. And, and it makes them, to me, honestly, if, if you just stumbled upon that, yes, production maybe isn't as, as polished because you're going to Noah and it's a little dark there. You're going to Border City or whatever. And it's it's kind of weirdly lit or whatever. But I think it's just, it, it's kind of cool that they're like, they're in this control center and just going to different places. I mean, that was, uh, we grew up on, on, on WWF, the control center where it's like, all right, we're going to Boston. Now we're going here. Now we're going here. You're like, that's kind of cool. That makes me feel like you're a, a big time company. Like you're a global company with a lot of shit going on. Right now, whereas, yeah, we know what the actual is going on behind the scenes or whatever, but to the outside viewer and to me, you know, as I'm, you know, just sitting down and, and, and trying to watch Impact, it's kind of fun. It, it, it kind of, you don't know what's happening next. And that's, that hasn't happened with wrestling TV in quite a while where, where I know what's going on next because it's, it's obvious what the next step is or it's obvious what the show, what direction the show's going in. This is cool. It's like, oh, we're going to know. All right, cool. All right, sweet. We're going to Border City. All right, cool. Yeah. Oh, Crash. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. No, and like different crowds, different environments, different looks, different feels. Like I, I love it a lot. I, I really do like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've really enjoyed the last two weeks here of Impact. And uh, we got a lot, I got a lot more to say about, um, impact and tna in general when we get to that but we'll start with power struggle we're gonna do uh like i said the um bound for glory preview a lot of people don't even realize bound for glory is coming up this weekend which is why we're gonna be talking impact wrestling we're gonna talk some nwa rich (laughs) and then um 
we'll, we'll talk war games at the end. So by the way, don't leave the show uh, when you think that we're starting the uh, the TNA NWA area because we're going to talk about war games at the end too. So uh, hold on. <laughs> we, I know there's a lot of people that are probably like, oh, I'm done after you know this power struggle thing, but I, I promise it's going to be, and I think we're going to get a decent take on it. And I think you should listen to us regardless because I think the NWA thing, if you're not watching that, we're going to talk a lot about that. That is, both those, both those companies are doing really cool, unique things right now. And I think, even if you kind of roll your eyes at both of them and roll your eyes at TNA and NWA, I think you'd be very surprised because they've, you know, had some, some ups and downs, but I think what they're doing right now is it, it's interesting, whether it's good or bad or whatever you think about it, there, there's interesting stuff going on in both those promotions. So don't, uh, don't think that it's just going to be boring because it's TNA and, and NWA. They're doing a lot of really cool stuff right now. It's like you're begging people to keep listening. I'm just saying, Listen. I feel like a lot of people would, if, if we said we're going to talk power struggle and then NWA and, and TNA, like I, you know, I, you would probably, if you, if you don't know what's going on, you'd probably bounce after this power struggle thing, right? This so we is got a, more games, and then we got, you know, I'm just saying what, let me ask you a question. What wrestling podcast that you know of over the last five years or so has covered the happenings and the shenanigans in the NWA as much as this one has. There's none. There's none. We are the go-to spot. <laughs> I don't know if that's a positive, though. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's all I'm saying. Listen, I enjoy there, it. There are people that enjoy it, but, you know. We do it all. Oh, we bless this. Okay, see the sheet this week. That looks like the end of a uh, the final hour. We'll see if we get to that. Probably, I probably shouldn't even have said anything because we probably won't get to it. Trouble for it. But uh, we should kick things off with the power struggle preview. This is a loaded show. I did some writing. I was part of the preview. I think you were as well. Yep. It'll by be the up time by most time people listen people. to yeah. this. Yep. It'll be up. We'll have the preview up. Uh, All star team of heavy hitters, me, you, and John Carroll. So uh, doing the preview on the on the power struggle. And uh, we'll do the audio preview now. This is really, to me, um, a, a pretty stacked show because, you know, when, when you've got. Even stuff on the first half of the card, you know, meaningful stuff on the first half of the card uh, for a New Japan pay-per-view that is not one of their, you know, big five pay-per-views. That means you've got a pretty loaded show. So, event, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defends the Intercontinental title against Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi beat Tanahashi in the G1 to set this up with his new knee strike finish, which uh, I don't remember the name of, but it translates to something uh, like surpassing the gods or something similar, which is just a really cool name for a move and really symbolic in that he used it against Tanahashi, um, you know, who could be considered a god of New Japan and uh, use it to defeat him. So uh, he gets his, his title match here. And this, to me, what's interesting about this is we sort of have forgotten about Hiroshi Tanahashi, right? Because this has been the year of Kazuchika Okada, obviously. This has been the year uh, Kenny Omega's big breakthrough year, starting with Wrestle Kingdom. And then uh, uh, Tetsuya Naito, of course, winning the G1. He's had a big year. But, you know, if this had been a normal pro wrestling year, Hiroshi Tanahashi has had a year with enough quality that, that in a normal year, we'd be considering this guy for Wrestler of the Year awards. I mean, he's got the Tanahashi trilogy, which was just incredible. And it was overshadowed by the Okada Omega stuff, but but to a lot of people, the Tanahashi Naito matches were better. Um, he had an incredible G1, like he always does. He's held the Intercontinental title for most, if not all, of the year. He's held it all year, right? When did he win that title? Yeah, man, I'm trying to remember when he actually won it. It seems like so long ago that he's had well, that. The, the problem but... with Tanahashi is 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 like I said, he sort of feels like uh, 
you know, he, he, he's clearly taken a back seat this year, but um, it just feels like he's on the back burner in a lot of ways. You know, he's, he's not, in, uh, you know, so much in the forefront of, uh, of he anything. Yeah, he, won he only won in June. Yeah. Wow. I could have swore he won it earlier than June, but there you go. Yeah. But that was his second, this is his second time around with it. So, uh, no. In June. Yeah. It's just June. Yeah. And then he had the, I, and, and he had the that horrible years ago. That was like 2014, I think the last time that he had the title, right? Well, yeah, yeah. But this is his second run with the title is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. I, th- I thought you meant the second run this year. Yeah. Okay. No, I no. So yeah, yeah, he beat Naito at, uh, I think it was Dominion. And yeah, then, Dominion, uh, yeah. He had the terrible title defense. Well, in my opinion, it was terrible. This, I didn't like the Zack Zabri. Did we? That might not have been a show we did together. Did you like that match? I didn't like it. Um, nah, no, I thought it was pretty boring. Yeah, that. Now that I remember, actually, I'm looking at these title matches. Uh, he has not had a great Intercontinental title year because his uh, he beats Naito, and then his other two defenses were against Billy Gunn and Zack Saber Jr. So, yeah, 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 the Billy Gunn match, obviously. <laughs> no, but, Saber um, was off. I hated that match, and I love both those dudes, but that was just like, nope. I <laughs> thirty minutes of whatever that was. Nope, not what I want out of either guy. So. Yeah, but his first half of the year was spent with Naito. He had the three matches against right. Naito, and then he had the great G1. And then he'll uh, close, cap off his year. I assume this will be his final singles match against Kota Ibushi. And, you know, I expect this to be incredible. I mean, there's no reason that this shouldn't be awesome. Well, um, yeah, you look at the, t- the history of these two as well, and I, I mentioned it in our preview as well. I mean, both times that they've had matches, if you go back and, and, and look at them, I mean, Dave Meltzer has given them uh, four and, and three quarters for each of them, I think. Or maybe one was four and three quarters, the other was four and a half or whatever. But, like, these are, yeah, these two dudes, I mean, it's it, it, physically impossible for them to just have a, a terrible match. You know what I mean? Like, there's no chance in hell that it's not great, right? Like, no, look at the I mean, yeah, I mean, it's people involved and 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 look at the uh, the history that they've had against each other. So it's going to be a great match. I don't have any doubts about that. I mean, the 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 forget the Billy Gunn match. I don't count that. That's Billy Gunn. He's 50 years old and he stinks. Um, but, you know, to me, the Zack Sabre Jr. match, that was the first big time Hiroshi Tanahashi match to me that didn't deliver since probably like 2008 or 2009. So. Uh, he's got the track and a lot of people thought it delivered. So, you know, it, it, it's not as if that's a, a universal opinion. Yeah. Just not our but, style. Yeah. Not, not what either of you, uh, either, either of us really like, but there are a lot of people that probably, I, I saw a lot of people that really enjoyed that match. It's just not the style that you and I particularly yeah. love. It was so. kind of split down the middle. A lot of people hated it and a lot of people really liked it. It was just, it was one of those matches that was very divisive, but, um, but this match, I think um, there, there's, there's just, unless somebody gets injured or something, there's no chance that it isn't great. And I think that Tanahashi retains, um, I suppose it's not possible that Ibushi would win the title here. The thing about it is it's kind of like um, we really don't know. It's unclear what they're doing at Wrestle Kingdom with these two guys and with Omega at this point. You would think that two of those three are going to face each other. Um, but then what does the third one do? It's kind of an odd man out, right? I mean, is Ibushi even going to be on the show? Right. That's the, 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 any predicting anything with a bushi is always tough because I'm, I'm when I'm, we're doing this preview, I'm, I'm doing the written part of the, the preview. And I'm thinking, OK, well, maybe a bushi wins. I mean, that makes some sense that he could. But, but then it's it's a bushi and it's like you don't. And, and I'm sure New Japan is the same thing. Yeah, you can put him in these main events. You can do some stuff. But do you really want to put a title on this guy? Do you really want to pencil him in for because you really I, at this point, would you trust him to say, OK, here, buddy, you're the champion now. Like, we just need you here for, for until January. And then you'll because even if even if he was supposed to win it here. 
and then lose it January against whoever, insert whoever. It's just, it's, it's, it's Kotobushi. You just have no clue. Like one day he just might just get on a boat and like fly, you know, and go away and never come back. Like you well, just, I mean, they're not going to, they're not, they're not going to put a title on the guy unless they, they, unless they've agreed. to. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying though. And, and that's always left when, whenever you're trying to predict something with him or whenever you're trying to think yes. of, of, okay, well, where does he fit in the plans? And then you try to think ahead. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to think ahead with Kotobushi because you just have no clue, it, you know, what the next step is, or if he's on the show, if he's planned to be there, if he's going to show up, if he wants to get it, you know, there's just a lot of issues always with Kotobushi. So it's hard to ever know. Okay. Well, definitively we can tell that by January, you're going to build him towards this program. You have no idea. Because like you said, you don't know if he's on the show. We don't know if he's on the show. I mean, I assume he is. I, I think if – I mean, I think by now they know and they've plotted out whatever it is they're going to do with him. But, yeah, from a fan perspective – would you trust him? I, don't, I wouldn't trust that guy for four months straight. Well, I Even mean, I, I don't know. I think if he agrees to do business, I think you can trust him. I just don't think – he's not a guy who you can count on um, locking down for a long period of time. But I think if they sat down with him before the G1 and said, here's our plans for you through January 4th, I don't think he would just disappear in the middle of the world tag league and never come back. Um, no, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I think, I think you can tell him, Hey, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to pay you. Uh, here are the matches you're going to be in. One's going to be a main event. One's going to be saying, you're going to make a lot of money. I think it'll stick around through whatever it is. He shakes your hand on. Um, now, Listen, I've made this point a million times. I think it's time for Kota Ibushi to just, you know, plant his anchor somewhere. I don't care. I, I would like to see it in New Japan, but if it's in DDT, that's fine. If it's some, if it's WWE, that's fine. He needs to plant his anchor somewhere and just go on the definitive run of his career. I, I I've kind of had enough of this vagabond shit. Um, you know, it was fun for a year. I, it's time for him to this is one of the best wrestlers in the world and he has the potential to be one of the biggest stars in the world. It's time to plant his flag and just do it. But, you know, he's he's an offbeat guy. He comes from money. Um, so I don't think money motivates him. Um, I don't know what it is that motivates him. I, he's just a strange dude. So, yeah, long story short, you're right. It's hard to predict because of that. You don't know, but it, it would it shock you if he won? It wouldn't shock me if he won the match. No, not at all. I, I think that would, to me, I would, if he won, I would feel a little bit more reassured. Then you know, okay, maybe there is something established here. That maybe they have some plan going together. Okay, I know he's going to be on Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I, 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 part of me really does hope that he wins because then it's sort of a relief that you go, okay, we can kind of pencil this guy in for a little bit of, you know, a little bit more work. We know for a fact he's going to be on Wrestle Kingdom. We know for a fact that that Wrestle Kingdom match is going to be a big deal because we all want to see that. I think everybody, you know, no matter who you are, you want to see which match he's talking about. Well, just any match, whether it's, whether it's Omega or not. Like, if he's got the IC title, then you know, okay, He's not going to just be in some random six man. He's not just going to be in some random right. thing or whatever. It's going to be a big deal. And I think we all want to see that because we know that that guy can just deliver like, like almost nobody else on a big time show. So like part of me wants him to win that title because I don't, the, the issue that I have, and, and you mentioned it at the top too, is that if he doesn't win, we all have this idea that it's the, the Kenny Omega, Kota Bushi thing, but it's, it, we're kind of running out of time to get that aligned and get that ready to go. And I fear that if he just loses and if it's just a match where at the end, you know, he gives it his all and Tanahashi just beats him, that I don't know that Kota Bushi's in a big time match at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know. I mean, I hope he is. And I hope they still find something for him to do. But I would feel way more reassured if he won this and I would go, okay, cool. Now we're building towards something with, with Kota Bushi big at Wrestle Kingdom. But then you know, then you got Tanahashi on the outside looking in. So it's it's really weird what they got going on here. So I'm really interested in the finish because I think it can go a lot of ways. Like if I was putting money on it, I would go with Tanahashi. But 
I, it wouldn't stun me if Kotobushi won. And I, I really do hope that Kotobushi wins because I think that can sort of set uh, set a path towards Wrestle Kingdom that's a little bit more fun for me. At least, yeah, because you can give Tanahashi any match and it'll be a big match. He doesn't need that title to be involved in a, in a bit. It's, it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. You know, like you're saying, if if Abushi is the Intercontinental Champion, it guarantees he's going to be right. Whereas if he's not, he, I mean, there's no guarantee that Kota Bushi's not just in some you know random right. six man or whatever. You know, like I, maybe it's Tiger SW. Like who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Like might it, even be on the, it, might not even be on the show. That's I mean, and that's so that that's part of me really does hope that he wins because I want to see Kota Bushi at Wrestle Kingdom have an incredible, awesome, big time match. So I hope that he wins, but I don't know. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't bet on it. I would bet the, that Tanahashi wins. The easiest thing to do here is Tanahashi Omega underneath naito okada right i mean that's right. the easiest thing mm-hmm. to do that's what the it's what the poster the uh the infamous poster uh sort of hinted towards so i don't know yeah so it's like it, from that and, and i don't even know if i don't even remember if abushi was on that poster so um not that, yeah, that let means yeah let me look it up I, I know yeah it doesn't mean anything but still it's it's always kind of kind of fun to check out and look at and sort of and to speculate uh but yeah so that would be the obvious match would be omega tanahashi that they can put there but here's the thing maybe sure you know tickets are moving at a faster pace than they ever have before. You know, they've sold out sections for the Tokyo Dome faster than they ever have before. This, this Okada Naito match is doing, uh, you know, a fine job on its own of moving tickets. So you don't even necessarily have to have the super loaded card, uh, but whatever they've had, but, but look, they're not going to switch gears. Whatever they had planned before G1 is what they still have planned now. All right, so the guys that are on the poster. So you got Sonata and Evil in one corner. Uh, obviously, they're not fighting each other. They're just there for... Uh, then in the middle, you have uh, Naito and, and, and Okada, of course. That's that's one front and center. Uh, off to the left, you have uh, Goto and Ishii. But that's, again, like similar to, to, to Sonata and Evil. It's just kind of guys there. Uh, you have Minoru Suzuki just kind of on his own in his own little quadrant. And at the bottom, you have uh, Tanahashi and Omega in their own little quadrant as well. So Yeah, so you've got all your main eventers and semi-main eventers and like upper mid card guys on the poster, basically, all your champions are on the poster. Um, right? Yeah, dude, all your heavyweight champions. Dude, can you imagine? I'm I'm looking at this poster now. Can you imagine? Like, and this is what they should do. Why Why don't like Goto and Ishii have the tag titles? Why aren't Evil and Sonata the tag champs? Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, fucking evil, how awesome would that be? <laughs> like, you're well, looking sir, at this, like, well, sir, Evil and Sonata, sir, are your never open weight trio. Well, I don't give a fuck. I'm the never open uh, weight trio. So, yeah. So, so there goes that. Thing. But yeah, I do think, I do think Ishii and Goto uh, should be forming a tag team. God, Goto's dude, how awesome would that be? God, as 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 Yano's little, you know, Al does nothing for me. Um, but but yeah, I I think. Yeah, I would be all about that. But we'll see how the World Tag League pairings go. I think that'll go a long way. Once they announce the World Tag League teams, we'll kind of be able to figure out who's going to win it. Mm-hmm. And then that'll eliminate those two guys, you know, because then whoever wins that is going to face Killer Elite Squad, obviously. Well, or or maybe two other teams as well. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but, then, uh, but then you can eliminate. So in other words, if it's Goto and Ishii, you can say, all right, well, they're going to win this. We can eliminate them from any singles possibilities. And then go from there. Uh, the other big rumor going around, uh, speculative things, is it looks like it'll be Willow Spray and Hiromu in some form, maybe to get Kushida out of that mix. A lot of people think Kushida is going to face Minoru Suzuki for the Never title, which I think would be cool. That yeah, would that'd be cool. fresh. Like that. And that would be different. And it would also prevent a, uh, a terrible, you know, three. Well, I say terrible. It would probably be a great match, but we just, we don't want to see a three-way match for the, uh, for the junior title. We'd rather see the, uh, 
a, a one-on-one match, a Finn Balor versus uh, Bray Wyatt one-on-one man-on-man match for that title. So uh, we love our man-on-man yeah, so man matches. Yes, not not man-on-demon, yes. not demon-on-sister, on man versus no, man. man. On man. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so it wouldn't shock me if Kota Ibushi wins. Uh, I think Tanahashi will win. But um, look, this is it. At, by the end of this show, we'll know a lot more than we know right now in terms of how everybody's going to be slotted. Uh, Kenny Omega takes on Beretta in the semi-main event. Now, I'm super hyped for this because I think this is an opportunity as uh, Rich sips a drink. What do you got I going apologize. on? Yeah, a little, little water. Just a little water. So, Water? Yeah. Okay. Dehydrated over there, or what? A little, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's pumped up the heat because this this room, like I, I talk about it in the summer, this room is like hot as shit, and I have to like have a fan going or whatever. Well, in the winter, it's cold as hell, so I like I have to like put our house heat at like seventy seven or whatever. And I, I made it way too hot right now, and it's it's I'm actually sweating. So seventy seven is too hot for you. Uh yeah, yeah. For like for for heat, yeah, that's that's too much. Wait, wait, wait. Seventy seven is just seventy seven. Whether it's heat no, or like air. when when I'm no, but I. It feels hot. What do you want me to tell you? You understand how temperature works, right, sir? I am under- I'm aware of how temperature works, yes. Like 77 degrees is 77 degrees, like regardless of whether – Sure. How you're getting to 77 degrees. So you're, you're normally hot at a 77-degree temperature. So uh, asking- well, there's no breeze going on here. If you're outside, there's a little bit of breeze going on and stuff. Are you aware of wind? Have you ever heard of wind? Now you're factoring in like wind chills, right? Yes, of course, because that's how temperature actually works, Joe. Where it's just a flat 77, you know, with dead air, you know, it gets a little... It's a little I'd like to get a license. I'm wearing a hoodie. I'm wearing a hoodie here. Like, you know, I'm, I, I prepared for cold and it's not cold. Like, now I'm hot. That, does that make sense? I would like to get a licensed meteorologist on here to explain. Mike Trout. You can get Mike Trout. He's a... Mike Trout? Yeah. Mike, uh, no, obviously the baseball player Mike Trout. He's like a... He's like in the off season, he goes to like meteorologist school and stuff. Is that and true? No, that is. I, I swear to God, look it up. Yeah, that's like his that's dream. <laughs> meteorologist. It's like okay, well. So he wants to do like TV weather. Like, yeah, I think so. Or yeah. he's just a hobby, and he's interested in it. I don't know. I don't know if it's one or the other. I think right now he's got the baseball thing going on, so I think he want, probably wants to stay on that. So that's I think it's just a, a hobby. Sh- that's that's a shit hobby, you know. Like, yeah, it's really like lame. Yeah, because it's not like like storm chaser like that. That I get. Like you're like, oh, dude, I love. But he's like, yeah, I'd really love to like stand in front of a green screen and talk about like you know dew points. It's like he uh, wants to calculate air pressure, <laughs> right? Oh, well, watch out for the pollen. Like the pollen's really high today, so make sure right. you're. You know, it's like that's not like the meteorologist isn't fun at all. Like it, you know, be something cool. Be be an astronaut or be like a you know the last gas shot up into space and shit like do that I, like i think being an astronaut is is that's a little bit more than a hobby isn't it i mean that's like you can can you can you can no, astronaut think, think be a yeah. hobby uh, i think now yeah it's it's i mean well, I guess richard, 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 money, yeah well i guess richard branson wants to be like see yeah. yeah i guess you're right i guess you can't be an astronaut as a hobby you got spacex and all that stuff going on now you can yeah you can definitely make that hobby yeah, but the yeah, meteorologist like, is the lamest hobby ever. Like, oh, I'm really into like looking at these, you know, wind patterns to see if maybe a storm is going to come. Like, that's an awful, awful hobby. Say the two guys doing a three-hour wrestling. <laughs> right, Mike Trout, you idiot! It's a horrible hobby. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Beretta. <laughs> now let's argue about Japanese wrestling. So yeah, <laughs> we have a cool hobby. Um, so Beretta. To me, this is potentially his coming out party. Guys like me and you, Rich, we're insiders. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're scoop, insiders. Scoop masters, insiders. Yeah. We, this we're... is a big time podcast. Okay. We're hardcore. We are insiders. 
we are well aware of the quality of the year that Trent Beretta is having. Okay. But the thing is, I'm not sure that casual wrestling fan guy, okay, or person who watches just New Japan pay-per-view show person, okay, I'm not sure that they are aware of the great year that Beretta is having because he's having a great year in a very odd way. He's doing it through selling his ass off in his matches, through taking big bumps. Um, He's not doing it through a series of four-star matches. He's not doing it through, you know, incredible uh, offensive performances. He's doing a lot of subtle things in the ring and he's bumping and selling. And that's not what's going to grab headlines. And that's not what's going to capture the imagination of the greater, you know, wrestling uh, landscape. You know, people aren't going to recognize that as much as they're going to recognize Kenny Omega going out there when his goal every time is to pop Dave Meltzer and have a six-star match. So I think this is an opportunity for Beretta to have sort of his coming out party to that type of fan who may not understand the type of year he's having. And he's having a hell of a year. I think he's arguably one of the 20 best wrestlers <laughs> in the world this year. And I, and I firmly believe that. I think he's been that good. But – can you point to the great singles match that he's had? You can. He's had some good ones. I thought the Yujiro match exceeded expectations, for example. But he doesn't have that match of the year caliber match out there. This could be it, Rich. Because he's in there with Kenny Omega, who I believe, unlike his effort in Chicago, I don't think he gave a single fuck about that yeah, Yoshihashi match. It's got me res- like, I feel, and I talk about it in the preview as well, that I'm just like nervous, and I shouldn't be nervous about a Kenny Omega singles match. You know what I mean? Like that that dude. In Japan. In Japan. Like that dude fucking rocks. Like he's great, and I know he's great, and he's, you know, unbelievable. But man, I can't shake the feeling that I was there live and just sitting there going, what is happening? Why is this happening? But there are different factors. Of course, you know, he was only a few weeks after the knee. You know, yeah, he came back and, and wrestled a pretty good match in Japan, and then you know, whatever. But it was it was in Ring of Honor, it was in Chicago, it was at a Bullet Club presents Global Wars show or whatever. So it was always gonna. So there's always those factors, but I can't help but just be a little nervous about it. Like, I, but I know he's not going. I know he's going to deliver against Beretta. I know Beretta's going to work his ass off, and I know that Omega doesn't think that it's a joke like he did the Yoshihashi one. But I can't like I should be way more excited about a Kenny Omega singles match. But I'm I'm a little reserved, and 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 I can't fight that feeling. It's just been it's been so hard to try to break it and, and and i feel bad because it's gonna be good and i know it's gonna be good but i'm really tempering my expectations just because i was i was there live for the yoshihashi thing it just wasn't good it just sucked i don't think kenny takes ring of honor seriously i don't think he took yoshihashi seriously um, i don't think in kenny omega's mind he saw that as a big match um whether i agree with that i mean look you were there did he pop the crowd were people yes. happy yeah so so he did his job right yeah, he knew what and, he was going. He knew what he knew what crowd he was working in front of that night. Yes. So he knows what crowd he's working in front of at Power Struggle, and it's not an easy Ring of Honor crowd that's gonna see him for the first time ever or the only time this year or whatever the case may be. I think you're gonna get, you know, the hardest working wrestler in the business, Kenny Omega, which is normally what he is in a match like this. Nobody works harder than this guy. I think you're gonna get that. Now let me ask you this in terms of Beretta. He's kind of a quirky guy, too. Okay, you were talking about Kota Ibushi. Beretta is a weird dude. Okay, I think we all know that. He's a little off kilter. Okay, but in a good way. He seems like a fun guy, right? But do you think that he understands? I think he understands the business. 
But do you think he understands the gravity of this match and that this could sort of be, I think this is the biggest singles match of his life. Semi-main event, singles match, New Japan against the hottest wrestler in the world for a title. I think this is the biggest singles match of Beretta's life. Do you think, number one, he knows that? And number two, do you think he gives a shit? And do you think that that will be reflected in his effort? And do you think he's going to go out there with the mindset of, I can get a lot of people's attention with this match. If I go out here and have a, a great match with Kenny Omega, of all people, this can help launch me in this company, and this can help launch me, just just take my career to the next level. You, you know, think I he's do, thinking like that? Or yeah, do you- no, no, and I do, and, and I have an example, because I was, I was live at a show. It was in uh, the end of 2016. He, he worked at AEW, worked at Windy City Classic, uh, against Zack Sabre Jr. So it's a big venue. It's a singles match with Zack Sabre Jr. It's one of the... One of the bigger matches on the show is in terms of just pure star power, in terms of just these singles matches or whatever. And it was, I, I kind of went into it going, ah, it's Trent. Like, I like Trent, but I was like, ah, you know, you know that feeling where you're like, like you're saying right now, I was like, yeah, but it's it, it's Trent. And like, you know, I enjoy him, but he's kind of, you know, he kind of has fun in the ring. This was not at all. This was like, the, from the moment that bell rang, he was a focus guy the entire time, and it was fucking awesome. It was like four and a half stars easily, this match. And it was just and, and the crowd was going nuts afterwards. And, and when it was all said and done, Zach Saber Jr. kind of like bowed to Trent and the and, and Trent kind of bowed back to him and they shook hands and they cut a promo. And and it was it was the most serious I'd ever seen Trent. It was it opened my eyes, and, and I've been a huge fan of him ever since because it opened my eyes to go, okay, this guy, when when there's a big moment, and this was you know the either the semi-main event or, or, or something like that, whenever he knows, I mean, this was obviously he knew that this was a big deal he wasn't just in the undercard he wasn't just in a tag match he wasn't just a junior on this night or whatever he was a big deal and he was considered a huge deal on the show in its big time match and he was setting Zack Sabre Jr. up for a big time title match against Michael Elgin as well so he had that to do you know we, we talk about how Trent how he's so good at making other guys look good too this was equal parts setting up Zack Sabre Jr. for his next big title shot and then also him wanting to prove that that he was awesome and that he could go as well so I've seen it I've been there live in the moment when he knew he was in a big time title match or not a title match, but a big time match and knew that he had to deliver and went out there and delivered. And and this was not the goofy Trent. This wasn't kind of the fuck around Trent he did for a few minutes and then it snapped. And then he was just focused. I want to kick your ass Trent. And it was really cool to see. And it's opened my mind. It's changed my mind on on Trent as well. So I I absolutely have, have no doubt in my mind that he is going to go out there and he's going to deliver. I don't think the Udro match, which though it was good is a great representation. I think there are other matches that you can look at in that particular one as well. If if you want to check it out Uh, as a windy classic i think 12 it was in 2016 2016 if you want to see like straight as an arrow trent just going out there and kicking ass that was that night well i don't think the udro match was put in a position to steal a show or anything they were telling a story and they they told it and it was a good match and i and i'm not suggesting that i think beretta is going to go out there and do comedy on the semi-main event of this show i'm just wondering if he's the kind of guy who's going to go out there and think to himself the way a kenny omega does or the way that uh, an Okada does or a way that an AJ Styles does or, or somebody like that where his mindset is going to be, I'm going to go out there to have the best match possible because it could help my career. And I'm just curious if he he's the kind of guy who had that mindset. Now, the way he has worked this year, I believe that he is going, I believe that these guys are going to kill it and they're going to have an awesome match and it's going to be right up there with the match of the night on the heels of Tanahashi and Ibushi because if you look at the way Trent has worked all his matches this year, um, whether it's uh, you know uh, the, the the ladder match uh, against the Bucks early in the year on the Ring of Honor show, or the Wrestle Kingdom match against the Bucks, uh, the whole Bucks feud really, um, he he he's he's worked hard in every situation. He's been the hardest working man in every match that he's been in this year. So that tells me that 
maybe the goofy Twitter persona or the way that we perceive Beretta uh, might not really be the reality. And, 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 and that this guy does understand the gravity of getting a heavyweight singles push in this company and what it can do for you in terms of, of your career. So I think this is going to be a great match and I'm super excited about it. I thought it came out of left field. I didn't expect them to pair these guys up. I didn't hear it. I didn't think anybody did. This really came out of nowhere on the tour. And, uh, you know, and it's kind of one of those things where you just say, wow, you know, that's really smart that they're doing this match. It's a good placeholder defense for Omega. I do not think he'll lose. And it's a good spot for Beretta. He can he can lose this match and lose nothing. I mean, it doesn't matter because he's not in a position to win a match like this yet. So it's okay if he loses. The, the, the important thing is that he can't go out there and lay an egg. I think if he goes out there, especially against Kenny Omega of all people, and they have a three-star match. I mean, I think that'll be damaging this to his reputation and to his career. I think it's a situation where they, he's got to go out there and have, a, 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 at minimum, a very good match. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, and, and I have no doubt that it's, it's going to be great, too. I'm just, I got that little reservation because the Omega, the last Omega match, but I'm sure within, you know, five or ten minutes, I'm, I'm going to be all in. Well, here's your, here's your asterisk. Here it, here's the thing. If Omega's knee isn't all the way back, that's the only thing I would have reservations about. But... Omega also strikes me as the kind of guy where even if that knee isn't 100%, unlike the Yoshihashi match, I think he would still go all out in a situation like this. Right, yeah, and I think there's a connection, too, between him and Trent. I mean, they go, they go back many years. I don't know that they're best buds or whatever, but I think he's – Yoshi, he didn't give a fuck about Yoshi. I mean, he made it clear in Japan that he said, ah, nobody cares about you, nobody cares about this match. Yeah. Like, when that's your promo hyping up the match, then, eh, you know, that's probably that's probably not going to go well, and, and he kind of played it up that way as well. But, yeah, I, I don't know that he's going to go out there. I think he understands that this is a big deal for Trent as well. And, and, and yeah, I, I think all things considered, it, it's going to be awesome match. And I, I don't know if it's going to steal the show. I don't know if it's going to be the best match on the show but i'd be as you said really disappointed if they go out there and it's just three stuff you know what i mean like it's just fine i don't want just fine like this has to be a killer match remember this too kota abushi's in the main event and kenny omega is not going to want to be upstaged by kota (laughs) no i i'm telling you i i am i am i am i i am i am super high on the on on the potential of this omega beretta match i really think they have a chance to go out there and really kill it i think all the ingredients are there i think beretta recognizes how important it is i think omega sees obushi in the main event i think it's a it's a you know a semi main event on a big show and and omega i I, just i think it's a perfect storm and i think these guys unless they have bad chemistry they're really going to kill it and this and you know and this is a is a show that you know, I'm looking at it on paper. I see at least five matches that could legitimately be great, including this one. Will Ospreay defending the junior title against Marty Skrull. This is a uh, an old school traveling rivalry match. They faced each other in no less than like 10 promotions worldwide. Yeah, I got, I got the list here. Um, I mentioned in the preview here. So you've got Wrestling in Bedford, WWL, Rev Pro, NWA Fight, Progress, WrestleCon, WXW, uh, What Culture Pro Wrestling, ROH, DW, and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. What is DW? I don't remember now. <laughs> I wrote it down and I don't remember what that was. Um, yeah, what I know they didn't lock up in Dreamwave in Chicago. That's no, I, I was, <laughs> part of me got excited. I was like, ooh, I was maybe there. What the hell am I thinking? What did I write with DW? I'll, I'll find out here real quick. Yeah. And they've had a match in New Japan. They wrestled at uh, Best of Super Juniors this year. So they have had a match here in this company. But these guys have incredible chemistry. They've wrestled each other a million times. Um, I've never seen a Willow spray Marty Skrull match that I didn't love. Not like love. I've never seen one. I didn't love, um, you know, going back to the very beginnings of their rivalry. Um, I know they're going to kill it. I know this is going to be a great match. 
And this is, uh, once again, this was, uh, you know, Discovery booking. Discovery Wrestling in Scotland. All right, there you go. So I had another. Everywhere. Uh, <laughs> when yeah. we say everywhere, we mean everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this was uh, more booking that I really didn't see coming. I mean, it, it was it, it's something else that was right in front of us that should have been obvious, but we didn't, you know, Skrull's basically a part-timer here. Um, but, yeah, so they're going to do Skrull Osprey here, and I, I, you know, I think Osprey will survive, obviously. I think he'll move on to Wrestle Kingdom, hopefully. Man versus man, one-on-one versus Hiromu. That's what I'm hoping for. I think that's what most people are hoping for. Uh, but the scroll match, yeah. I mean, I'm just, look, they're finally pushed, giving Willow Spray a proper, real, legitimate push. Couldn't be happier. I think he's legitimately one of the five best wrestlers in the world. Um, uh, possibly higher. Uh, you know, you talk about Okada, Omega, and then I think Ospreay instantly is one of the next guys you consider. I, I, I truly believe that. I think he's that good. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy to see him finally um, out of tag matches and getting a sustained push, not just a random singles match here or there, not just getting pushed during Super Juniors, a real push in this company, which he has deserved for a long time. So I think he gets by in this match. I Hopefully he faces Hiromu because I think a Willow Spray Hiromu match in the Tokyo Dome, as crazy as Hiromu is and as driven as Willow Spray is, those two guys, I think, could just fucking destroy it in that setting. So I, I am really hoping that that's the match. Um, you know, so so we'll see. But uh, what do you think is Osprey Squirrel match? Yeah, I'm, I mean, again, like I, I haven't seen them, I think, as much as you. And I think there's probably people. That, I, I wonder if anybody's actually seen every single one. You, you know, like because there's some that like I'm, I'm going through this list of, and thinking the ones I've seen. Uh, and I've always, I mean, I've seen probably half of these. You know what I mean? Like, and all of those ones that I've seen, like you said, it wasn't just a like, it was a love. Like, there's some chemistry there with those guys. And we talk about the old school traveling matches. We talk about your Rey Mysterio psychosis or whatever. There's something that when it clicks with those guys, people understand that, and that's why it gets booked everywhere. And that's why it becomes a traveling match. It wouldn't just be a traveling match just because people say, ah, you got to book Will Ospreay, Marty Scroll. They book it because they know it's great. There's just something. Those guys get in the ring, the bell rings, and there's just an aura there. There's just something there, and your company, whoever you are, you want it. If you get these two guys on your show, you want to make this match or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be that. It's not going to be obviously the same environment because it's going to be a little bit different than it it was, you know, in, in progress or in a lot of the other European countries or whatever, but they've been able to do some good stuff um, all around the world. And I, and I have no doubt that when the match is all said and done, like people are going to really love it, even in Japan. And, and, and Japan is very open to both those guys. They, they, they're not going to pop it, you know, the bell ring and think that, you know, do, do chance throughout the, but, but as the match goes on and as those two dudes who are going to give 110%, I think that's the thing that always comes through regardless of those two guys that they're always going to give it a hundred and, and we'll ask for more than anybody in wrestling right now. When you, if, no matter where you book them, no matter who he's against, that dude just gives 110. I, 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 there's nothing like it with this guy. And he, and he kills not, it. And he kills right, it. Yeah, right. I mean, like, I saw him in sort of, he's in front of Flip Gordon. I'm like, ah, I don't know if Flip Gordon is awesome fucking match. He's in, in front of, you know, Robbie Eagles in front of 300 people in a country he's never wrestled before, and he fucking kills it. You know what I mean? Like, this guy, it's just no matter what, I've never seen Will Ospreay in a match and said, ah, Will Ospreay just kind of, kind of phoned that one in, right? Have you ever said that in your life? That Will never. Ospreay, ah, that was an all right Will Ospreay match. He didn't Never. put much effort into there. Even if Never. the match isn't great, even if you don't like the match, that dude is going 110% the entire time. So and the thing about really it not, is, ever yeah. since he's evolved as a worker and matured as a worker and learned to sell, because there was a period of time where the where the criticisms were legit. 2014, um, I'll take you back and I'll give you a good example. The Matt Seidel feud that he had in, I believe it was Rev, it was Rev Pro. He had the feud with the three-match series with Seidel. Uh, around that era of Willow Spray, he really did have serious issues with selling. And, 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 and if I'm saying it, you know it was bad. 
Um, but ever since then, he's really matured as a worker. And if anything, he, if anything, he oversells now. Swung the other yeah, way, the right? scream. He, he does the scream and ah, fuck, and he does that a little yeah, bit. And now, yeah, and now that stuff doesn't bother me. I, I have no problem with it. But if anything, the, the criticism now is the, in the other direction. Uh, anyone who tells you that Willow Spray is a spot monkey who doesn't sell hasn't watched a Willow Spray match since 2014. I mean, because right. it's just you don't have to listen to them. Yes, you can just in, in, their, you can, your opinion you can is immediately invalidated. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can turn them off and ignore them. They don't know what you're talking about because now he oversells. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, the thing about Osprey too that I want to mention is he is probably one of the most unselfish uh, superstars in the business today, and he's a guy who does nothing but lose, but still stays over. Think about this, Rich. First of all, we're talking about the Squirrel rivalry. He never beats him. No, the, no, the, that, the, that's another thing too. Yeah, the long term, the the long term yeah. yeah, he doesn't win. The he's long- on a four match lose streak, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, because the the story between these guys is Marty always outsmarts him in the end. That's the running theme in their matches. That that he's just, that that you know he's he's better than Marty, but Marty, the villain, always finds a way to outsmart him and 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 in the end and 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 pick up the victory somehow. Think about the Kushida feud and all you know, and all the matches he's lost to Kushida. Uh, you know he lost what what was a four straight matches to Kushida. Then he had the long losing streak in 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 progress. You know where where he lost however many straight matches it was. Um, you know, before the heel turn and, 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 and left the company or whatever, this is a, and and then new Japan where he didn't get pushed forever. This is a guy who never wins, but yet he still stays over and, and, and he's still an enormous star. He's like the, he's one of the most unselfish stars in terms of winning matches. I mean, the guy just, he, 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 you know, yeah, he's a little immature. He's a little young. He does some stupid things on Twitter, but this is clearly not a guy with a locker room ego. I mean, that's obvious. No, he wants to lose. He's a guy that I think you probably have to get in an argument with him to be like, ah, oh, well, you, you know, you could win this match. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'll, like, I, I, I actively think that there probably are scenarios where they say that he's going to win. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'll put that guy over. You know, you know, like in terms of, you know, he goes in there. To, we talk about the Australian match. I mean, that was a perfect representation where that guy went there and just was like, nope, I, I want I want to put everybody else over. I want this to be bigger because you beat me i want this to be bigger because i lost i want this to be bigger and that's i think he thinks that way too which is smart right now i mean yeah maybe there's gonna be a time where he has to be a little bit more protective about it but the dude has no problems with losing whatsoever yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm at, the same time, at the same time though why if he stays over right exactly if it works yeah you know so so i don't know this is a guy that that, that doesn't even you know it doesn't he doesn't seem to me like a guy who has the old classic locker room ego where he feels like he needs to win all of his matches either so but he'll win this one and he'll go into the Dome as champion, and uh, hopefully we get a singles match there against Hiromu. I think, to me, that's the best-case scenario. Uh, Minoru Suzuki defends the Never title against Toru Yano. In, it's like the Jason Voorhees of wrestling feuds. When you think it's dead and buried, somehow it, 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 it lives on. This is a bull rope death match, Rich. Um, are we clear on the rules here? Is this an old school Southern style drag the guy to all four corners or are they just, or is there just a weapon in play? What is the deal here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen it initially. Yeah, we always, we always have to qualify this too. When they say death match, they call everything like that. They a call everything match. a death match. Yes. Yeah. It's don't, don't think you're going to get like a busted open Torpiano and like, you know, the plate glass and Minoru Suzuki. It's just going to have a bowl rope in it is all. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's a touch all four corners or that there's just going to be a bowl rope. All I know is half the match is going to be Torpiano trying to tie Minoru Suzuki his legs up with a bull rope and yeah I, I just all I, i'm gonna close my eyes and just wait for it to be over and be very very happy when it's all said and done so yeah i feel like um i don't 
think it's going to be the old touch the four corners, which is a horrible stipulation. I mean, no, the worst. Yeah. Joe Lanza hates every stipulation pretty much. And we'll talk about that when we get to war games. I think, I think war games stinks. I know people are going to get mad at that, but I really do. Uh, But I, I just don't like stipulations in general, but the, but the touch all four corners bull rope thing, I just uh, is 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 one of the worst ones. That might around. be my least favorite. I think I, I hate last man standing matches, and I think I hate uh, the the strap match just equally as much. Like the old strap bull rope or whatever. It's just yeah. the worst. It's like you know the face hits the you know <laughs> the first three, and then oh my god the fourth, and oh my god has the heel been touching them behind his back? Like right? Why Always was, the oh same my story. god! Like oh Jesus! And it's just like. Yep. Oh, God, it's the worst. Always oh the my God, face. he pulls the face away and then he touches the fourth. My God, the heel. Or, like, or the baby face tries to leap over the heel to touch the fourth, but he pushes right, yeah. the heel into it and the heel went. It's always the same shit. I mean, it's just goofy. Um, and that's another match where guys like to wear jeans with the knee pads over the jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the Chicago street fight. So uh, well, I don't it's, think that's- it's another match that like when it started, like it's similar to like a cage match or whatever. It was a great like feud finisher. If it was like beat the fuck out of your opponent and then just drag his ass around the ring. That makes sense. But then it became the like, like the WWE cage match where half the match is like guys crawling towards a door. And it's like, well, right. it's not fun. Like, that's not interesting. So it's just guys like fighting over touching a corner. It's just like, no, nah, I don't really, you know, that's not really interesting at all. But yeah, uh, yeah. so they, they've kind of lost their meaning. But uh, yeah, I, I assume, I assume this is not going to be that. I just assume that there's going to be a ball rope in the ring and that Toriano's going to tie up Mono Suzuki yeah. with it. And it's just going to not be fun. This so. is a match with a rope. Yeah. Is what I think this is. So uh, I don't know. I think Suzuki will retain. I think Suzuki should retain. I think that I would be more excited about a potential Suzuki never title defense at Wrestle Kingdom. I think there's some interesting matches on the table for him there. You know, like the Kushida match that we potentially talked about. I think that would be a very interesting match, Kushida versus Minoru Suzuki. Whereas a Toru Yano never title defense at the Tokyo Dome, I don't think you can come up with an interesting match for him at the Tokyo Dome. I, no. I just I don't want to see <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to see him wrestle anybody in a singles match. I want to see him in the Rambo, um, punching people in the nuts, ripping off turnbuckles, and being out of the ring before the show starts. That's what I want out of Toru Yano at the Dome, and I'm fine with that. I don't want him in a match you know, fifth from the top, that's going to get, you know, 17 minutes. No, thanks. I'd rather Suzuki be in that spot. Um, because, you know, there's look, whether it's Kushida or whether it's Hiroki Goto, or it, there's a chance it could be good with Suzuki. Yano, it's just not going to be for me. So I hope Suzuki retains here. And I hope that this is relatively painless. But if this were on another show, like if this were the semi-main event of a show or something, I'd really hate this match. But this this card is so loaded. Yeah, it, it's it's meaningless, and it, it'll be in and out in no time. So it's just like like I'm I said, I'm really gonna close my eyes, and it'll be over in, in in enough time, and then can move on with our lives. So yeah, I mean the three matches we just talked about are going to be so damn good, and then we're going to get to some other stuff here that's really good too. So we've got Chaos versus Lij, all five members of Lij uh, versus uh, five members of Chaos. In this case, Okada, Ishi, Yoshihashi, Goto, and Gato. So we all know Gato is probably taking the fall here. Uh, either Gato or I guess Bushi could lose if the other side wins. But you would think that the LIJ side would win this match, um, you know, with with Naito standing tall as they continue to put heat on the uh, on the uh, Wrestle Kingdom main event. Look, Chaos versus LIJ, you've got the stats. They've done it how many times on TV? 22, 22 TV pay-per-view. Six yeah, man, whether it be six, man yeah, ten yeah, man. Exactly. Okay, this is a ten man. Now, here's the thing. They're always good. I have no doubt that this is going to be a good match. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be action-packed. 
Um, that you know, it, it's going to be an excellent match. The problem, Rich, is I'm tired of seeing it, and it's kind of that deal with all of those uh, three-way IWGP heavyweight tag team title matches that we just saw. If you're not emotionally invested, if you just forget not being emotionally invested, if you're emotionally turned off by the same match over and over and over, no matter how good it is, it's going to be hard to impress you or be entertained by it. I'm just tired of this, and I and I, I I'm not looking forward to seeing it. So it's just on paper, it's doing nothing for me. Yeah, I'm the same way too. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I would enjoy it if if I cared, but I, I just don't. And it, I, I actively don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily that like, yeah. ah, whatever. It's like, I don't want to see this, even if it's good. It's like, no, I'm, it's gonna be I'm good. sick of it. My stomach's full. I've had enough. Like, like this pizza's will... great. Pizza's great. But if I've had a lot of pizza, yeah. I don't want, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm going to throw up if I get any more pizza. Like, I, it's great pizza. I'll eat it tomorrow. Uh, I'll eat it in a little while, but right now I'm very full and I just want something else. I want to just, you know, not eat. And I'm just sick of LIJ chaos. And it's just watching the same guys come out, the same little structure. And all. again, it's good. It's going to be good. But it's just like, yeah, you've seen it so many times. And and, and the numbers were, were startling for me because I was like, all right, how many times really have we seen this match before? And, and yeah, like 22 times. And that's not even counting singles matches where they fall, you know, square off with each other. I know they're feuding stables. I know, I know, I know. But it's just like, man, you know. You, and you've seen probably 18 to 20 of those 22. Right. That's it's, the thing. Enough. <laughs> and it's like, and that, and that's the thing. It's like, this will probably flirt with four stars, but I'm just not interested in watching it. So, you know, that's obviously you do something to death, but I, I get it. They're just biding time until the dome and then directions will change. But uh, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? We've got, and I believe that'll probably be, as I look at the show, that'll probably be the first match. Uh, after intermission, right? Yeah, I'd imagine. I'd imagine that's post intermission. Uh, that'll be five. Yeah, that looks yeah. like an even split. No, that might be the last match before intermission. Actually, one, two, three. Eh, yeah, I think they'll do the first five matches and then the last four. Is what I think that they'll do. Uh, so anyway, uh, Rapunzel so three K versus that's yeah, we're gonna yeah, talk about yeah. There that's you a, go. No intermission yeah. talk, but make a sandwich then. So. Uh, Rapongi 3K against Super 69. This is the finals of the Super Junior Tag Tournament. As far as the Super Junior Tag Tournament goes, um, every match has been really good. This is the best Super Junior Tag Tournament, top to bottom, and I know this match is going to deliver. This is the best Super Junior Tag Tournament that they've had, maybe ever. I mean, I, I am not as high on the matches as some other people are, but they've all been very good at minimum. They've all been like three and three quarters, you know, right there on the verge of being four star matches. They've all been action packed. They've all been exciting. As we discussed when we previewed the tournament, a lot of the teams are fresh. I think Rapongi 3K has looked excellent in the tournament. Uh, Super 69, I think ACH, okay, look, I like ACH a lot. He's not Ricochet, but I like him a lot. He's an excellent wrestler. Uh, he's a, he, he, he's a tremendous wrestler, but Ricochet is one of the best wrestlers in the world. But I will say this. I think ACH is a better partner for Taguchi than Ricochet was. He fits Taguchi, but it seems like they have better chemistry. Um, it seems like they're a better fit for one another. So I do like the ACH Taguchi team better than the Ricochet Taguchi team. Even it though it seems think- like it. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I, and I think I, I I don't know if I talked about it on last week's show or I talked about it, you know, in the review or the, or the preview rather. Is it just seems like Ricochet was kind of a guy that was was sort of there, and he was the straight man to Gucci's sort of you know laughable sense, but. Taguchi is really better off if just a, it, both these dudes just laughing at each other's terrible jokes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
ACH seems like the guy that you know when Suguchi does the butt thing, he's laughing his ass off, and he does the butt thing, or, and you know when they're they're laughing about the fact that their name is sixty nine and sixty nine is in their name, you know what I mean, like that sort of stuff, and it works for those guys, and like I, you know, I if it doesn't go crazy over the top, but I don't think it ever will. That I think there is always a res- reservation there that they're always going to be to a certain level, you know, when they're a tag team and they're in a big time sort of tag match like this, like they're not going to just fuck around this entire match. But I do like them. I think it works better as when we talk about like a pure tag team, like Ricochet and Taguchi worked because there were two guys that were really good as a tag team but ACH and Taguchi feel like a team that you know the old what yes. do these guys talk about those dudes just giggle and snicker in the corner at like dumb jokes so like that I think yeah, yeah. you nailed it they have chemistry right is what you're trying to say ACH and Taguchi to me have better chemistry than Ricochet and Taguchi did. Taguchi and Ricochet were like guys that just happened to be you know buddies and were like yeah whatever they're teammates they were like forced teammates that just yes. in the right time right place right time but the ACH and Taguchi seem like guys that would like drive together and you know or, or like go to a drive through and say some silly shit and laugh. And they're, like, they're a couple of corn. They're both a couple of yeah. corn balls is what it is. <laughs> like I mean, nobody else finds them all that much funny, but then like, yeah, it's right. Just... Everyone else thinks they're both annoying, but they, <laughs> they're just a couple of corny dudes who get along and, and they have great, I think they have great chemistry. Um, So, so yeah, I think he's a better partner for Taguchi. Yeah, I, I'm with you. As far as Rapongi 3k goes, I am, I got to tell you, I am stunned. I am stunned that people are down on this team and this act. I love them. I think they've, they've looked tremendous. Obviously they've only got three matches under their belts. They will grow into the roles further. Um, you know, that's going to happen. Just look at the early days of evil. Even look at the early days of Hiromu when he came back. Sometimes it takes these guys a little bit to, 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 you know, get their feet underneath them and, and, and learn how to work in their new roles. But I haven't, I look, I think all of their matches have been excellent. I think that uh, show in particular looks like a future junior star. That guy's got got junior star, junior ace written all over him in the early stages. I think I like the gimmick. I think the theme song is catchy as fuck. And I think Rocky Romero has been an absolute revelation as a mouthpiece. This guy is a great manager. You know, he cuts great promos for these guys. He's over with the crowd, which is important. The New Japan crowds respect the fuck out of Rocky Romero. They really do. It's almost as if he's a native at this point. He might as well be a native. You know, he's kind of got that Kenny Omega vibe where he might as well just be Japanese at this point. They accept him as one of their own. And he's a great manager. I think he, he, he works the ringside area uh, very well. He cuts great promos. And, and, he, and he definitely adds something to this team. It, he's not like an extra part. He doesn't detract from them. He doesn't overshadow them. I think he's an added, a, a perfect third component to the team. Uh, and, and I think the act as a whole works, and I've been very impressed. I'm stunned with this team. Where are you on Rapongi 3K? Yeah, no, I'm into him. And, and I mentioned that, that like, and I, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, that there's a little bit of it's going to take a little bit of massage until they kind of quite figure out exactly what they're supposed to be and what their gimmick's supposed to be and the, the looks and the ring attire and all that sort of stuff. But regardless of that and regardless of whatever you think, yeah, I, I think R- Romero's great for the role. I think he works in the role. And and more than anything, regardless of what you think of whatever they're wearing or what color their hair is dyed or, or if you're not quite sure they know what they're doing, if the crowd – it doesn't matter because the matches are fucking awesome. And that's the thing. They've been just a shot in the arm of this division. This division is needed for so long. Yeah. It's just a new team that comes in there and just – fucks shit up and just changes the whole dynamic. And that's why, like, I'm picking Super 69 here, but I really, goddamn, I hope they have Rapongi win because yeah, that would be – because then you establish that's like, these are the absolutely. dudes. Like, these guys 
are the yeah like because i think it's easy to have super 69 win and then you okay now you have a title match and a super but i say fuck that you can still have a title match the bucks can still come out and challenge these guys afterwards but how important would it be if those dudes just they win the titles their first time in then they just run through that tournament and it's like romero can be like i told you that these guys were gonna run shit and they are and look at these dudes I think, a, so I think I'm, a, i hope they do i really do me too i think it'd be a big mistake if super 69 wins a big mistake um, I, I will come on the show and bury it. It would not be a smart decision. I think Rapongi 3K should win. Uh, they won the titles in their first match. I think they should run the table and win the tournament. Boom, you've established them as the team to beat in the division. Finally, a dominant team in a division where nobody can hold on to the titles for longer than one or two defenses. Right. So it, it, it makes a statement. Um, now you're right. I think Super 69 could win. I think if Super 69 wins, we're getting the three-way. Mm-hmm. Because if Super 69 wins, let's just uh, skip these other two matches. We'll get back to them. But let's lump in the Young Bucks versus Dragon Lee and Teton here. Obviously, the Young Bucks, in their first match since August, since they lost the titles, they're going to beat Dragon Lee and Teton. And and believe me, I think the Bucks are going out there to impress. And when you're in there with Dragon Lee and Teton, there's a good chance that you're going to impress. so crazy. (laughs) Jesus. And and look, and and this is, and I want it to be nothing but a spot fest. That's what it needs to be. That's what it should be. It's the opener. It's going to get nine minutes. They should just go out there and just do flips with a Z and go out there to just, uh, you know, just get all their shit in. That's what I want out of that match. But the Bucks are going to win. And I think if Super 69 wins, you'll have the Bucks come out. You'll have Rapongi 3K as the champs. They got to be in the match, right? But then you'll have, Super 69, having mm-hmm. won the tournament there in the match, and then the Bucks are going to worm their way in mm-hmm. off of beating Dragon Lee and Teton and being You know, you know this is happening, right? Yes. So there's a very good <laughs> chance. But here's the I thing. I don't want it to, but I think it's going to happen. I will take that as a trade-off if it means we get the Osprey. If we get one singles match at the Dome between these two junior title matches, I'll fucking take it. Just don't give me two three-ways. Don't find a way to shoehorn Kushida into that singles match, and you can do whatever the fuck you want with this. Ta- if you give me a, 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 a straight tag in the tag match too, I'm gonna I'm gonna see that as a bonus. But if I were doing, if I were booking this, Rapongi 3K runs the table. They face the Bucks at the Dome, which again would be an incredible match. Those two teams in the Dome in that setting. I put Taguchi in the Rambo and ACH. He's been in the company for ten minutes. He doesn't need to be in a big-time match in the Tokyo Dome. You know what I mean? You can leave him off the card, or you can put him in the Rambo, or you can put ACH and Taguchi with a bunch of other Taguchi Japan dorks and have an eight-man to open the show. You know what I mean? That wouldn't be, be insulting. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll get over it. <laughs> Taguchi's been in spots like that in the Tokyo Dome the last few years. He's been in the Rambo. He's been in the eight-man opener or whatever. I don't think that's even a demotion for Taguchi. So that's even more reason to just do Rapongi 3K versus the Bucks. But you're right. There's a definite possibility that they win and they do a three-way. And that will be very deflating for me. I won't be on board with that. Um, I, I don't want ACH and Taguchi involved in that match. I'd rather just get the tag match. But um, that's that's probably the direction they're going. But as far as Bucks versus Lee and Teton go, I think that it, it can be a killer opener. And I do think the Rapongi 3K versus Super 69 match is going to be excellent too. That's why I say between those two junior tag matches and then the final three matches on this show – there's a chance for five incredible matches on this show. And if you want to throw in Chaos versus LIJ, if you're not tired of that, there's a chance for six pretty awesome matches. This is a stacked show, Rich. It really is. Um, and then we got two prelim matches. We'll blow through them quickly. Actually, this one might deserve a little bit of chatter. We've got Cody 
Chase Owens and Yujiro against Tenkoji and Makabe. Now, here's the thing with this. We all made fun of Noah. I'm sorry. We all made fun of TNA because Eli Drake defended the, the uh, you know Global Force world title third from the bottom on a Noah show, right, against Cody Hall, of all people. Well, look at this. The Ring of Honor world champion is working third from the bottom on this new oh, you know, show. I, never even, I didn't even notice that. In a, in a six-man tag. He never made that connection. And he's not... And he's not even defending his title. So we sat here and buried TNA. Yeah. We got to bury Ring of Honor here. Here we go. And these guys are <laughs> tight. These guys have been tight promotional partners for like four years. And they've got Ring of Honor's world champion working a six-man third from the bottom on this show. I mean, come on. That's a worse spot than Eli Drake got. That's embarrassing. It's like it's, – but here's the thing. It really is suspicious to me that they're flying Cody in for this random six-man tag. Rich, I think something's happening oh, no. in this match. I do. I think that – I think on paper, everyone looks at this and says, well, Chase Owens is, is, is you know, taking that King Kong knee drop or whatever, and, and he's losing this match. I think there's a possibility that Cody scores a fall in this match, but I think the bigger possibility is Chase Owens does lose, but then Cody has a nose-to-nose confrontation – more than likely with Makabe setting up a Togi Makabe Ring of Honor world title match. Oh, God. But can you see that happening? Because why else would uh. they fly him in for this? Like, what other purpose does Cody serve on this show? Why would you fly him in for this? Yeah, what you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know why he's there. That I was, I thought you were going in some horrible direction that like he challenges like Kenny Omega after Omega wins or something, something like that. Like, I, I, I hey, yeah. that's well, you know what? That's always a fear because yeah. if we just talked about it, there's an odd man out with those three guys at the top, yeah. and then you throw in Mike Elgin, who's not even on this show. It's like, what are they going to do with him at Dome? There is a possibility, however slim, because they never treat Cody well in the booking, but there, it, 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 with the exception of Long Beach. There's a and that was a different animal because it's the U.S. or whatever. But there is a possibility that Cody does worm his way into one of those big. I, I think it's slim, but his presence here it's got to scare you from that from that perspective. So hopefully, it just sets up a singles match with Makabe or Kojima or something like that. That would be getting off easy because there is the possibility he comes out later in the show and gets involved with someone who, who we do not want him involved with. So. I'm sorry I did this to you. I don't think you were looking at this match from that perspective, but when you really unpack it, what else is his purpose? Why fly him in? It is weird, yeah, but I, God, I'm shivering at the idea of a Toki Makame Cody Ring I mean, come of Honor. On. Oh, God. You can't put, you can't put, but you can't put Leo Tonga in this match. You have to fly Cody in? Yeah, the Cody thing is weird. I, I, I never made the connection that he was just that the Ring of Honor World Champion was just in a random match, but I, I, I didn't make that connection. But I made the connection that it was weird that he was on the show at all. So something is happening, but what I, I, I don't know. And I'm and and who Rich, nervous? Who, yeah, who's the guy all year in New Japan who's had nothing to do because his tag team partner has a broken neck? Wouldn't it make a lot of sense? Because what else are you gonna do with Togi Makabe? And you know they respect the fuck out of him. If you think Togi Makabe is walking out for that Rambo, you're nuts. That's all I'm saying. Can't you see? I'm sad, though. I guess. Togi Makabe versus Cody for the Ring of Honor title, third from the bottom at Wrestle Kingdom, or fourth from the bottom, pre-intermission. Definitely pre-intermission. I'm not saying it's going on, you know, during the business end of the card. 
But would that? I mean, doesn't that seem realistic? No, I mean they're going to have. There's going to be a Ring of Honor singles match. It, it, I, that's how it's really getting defended, no matter what, on the undercard. And yeah, I mean that it, it would certainly Barrett tell you the Bob level of. Yeah, it would show you the level that. Uh, oh man. Jeez. And I mean, we we've, we've seen Kojima in the Rambo, so they're not opposed to putting him in the Rambo. Tenzan just got yanked from the G1. I could totally see him being a Rambo guy, or I could totally see Kojima and Tenzan teaming with, you know, Taguchi and ACH or whatever. You know what I mean? That that's no problem. But Makabe. Makabe is a guy that they're not going to do. They're not putting Makabe in a Rambo to get pinned by, you know, to, 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 to you know, to do comedy spots with, with Fujiwara. Right, right. That's mm. not happening. So I don't know. I think we're getting a Cody versus Makabe. <laughs> I mean, that, never do fantasy booking on the show. And that's what you fucking choose to fantasy book is this. I'm just is reading the Makabe tea leaves. versus Cody. God damn it. I'm saying I like it. I'm just reading the tea leaves. I think that that's what <laughs> I think that's what this match is screaming at us. I do. I yeah, because yeah, because you're buying into it. <laughs> Worst match ever. All right, no, it would be fine. It'd be like ten minutes in and out. All right, please talk about something other than Cody and Togi Makabe. Let's talk about Harai Kawato. Let's do it. Yes. Ooh, that okay. That makes me feel better. Good. Harai Kawato. Like Kitamiya, because Kitamiya will give me fired up. That guy, like a big beefy We're Kitamiya. There. But Kawato is, is nice, too, because he's a nice child. We'll end, we'll end it so. with those two. Harai Kawato, Juice Robinson, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Kushida, and Tiger Mask. That is another 10-man, actually. Versus uh, the Suzuki Gun Juniors plus Zack Sabre Jr., who is actually smaller than a couple of these Suzuki Gun Juniors, but he's a heavyweight. Um, yeah, so I think you described this as the match where they just get everybody else in. So, and that's exactly what this is. But, but uh, there is a big thing here. Okay. Juice. Yeah. I don't know if you've been following the, the things with Juice, but all the social media is gone. He's deleted everything. Yes. Juice is, is, is no more, apparently. He's yes. gone. He's, if, you're, if you're not on social media, you're off the face of the earth and you don't exist and, and, and whatnot. Right. Does Juice just come out as Juice Robinson? Here? And, he was a- and he was active on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very active. Yeah, R- really personable, really a-, a guy that would always talk with you. He's- he fucking retweeted one of our tweets, and we still get favorites on that fucking thing. Remember that? Well, that- he, well, well see, he likes everyone but us. For some reason, he hated us. But he he did. He was very personable with other fans. Oh, he hated us? He didn't he like us. Hmm. He didn't like us. I don't know. Um, you know, I, for whatever reason, I don't know. He just hmm. he, he had us blocked for a while, too. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I, I did talk shit about yeah. him a few times. So I guess that's. I think early in his run, he had some poor matches. Yeah, we just said it was painful because he was like trying to dance around and have head. But yeah. he's got to follow us now. We're, we're all in. But it was it was painful at first. He had to and, admit that. I think he vanity searched and uh, you know got a little butt hurt and uh, blocked us. But he did. He he, he unblocked us eventually. Okay. Nobody cares. I don't even care. The point here is <laughs> he's gone. He's off social he, media. He deleted his social media. Uh, so I know where you're going with this because I went there with this. Um, it's kind of like, it, could he be the Switchblade guy, right? Everyone's thinking Jay White. Everyone's thinking Sammy Callahan. Well, this guy kind of disappeared. But then you took it a step further, right? Where he may not be the Switchblade guy, but you're thinking he may be aligned with the Switchblade guy. No, I, I think he, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what is going on there with Juice. It, it, it just, it was weird. And and now knowing that he deleted all that stuff, it just, I is he going to, like, do we have a scenario where he just kind of comes out for this match, like any old Juice Robinson match or whatever, goes to the back and then later we see him come out. That seems weird though. You know what I mean? Like if they were going to debut that guy, it wouldn't. So I don't know. Maybe we're, we're not saying, maybe he deleted him for some other reason. God only knows what happened. He broke up. with. You know what I mean? They broke up with his girlfriend. I, I, who the fuck knows? We, I, I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but it was unique because he is not a guy. Like you said, he's been a guy that's been very active on social media forever. So for him to just drop everything, you know, a week before power struggle, when they're going to announce the switchblade, 
had me, you know, it had me a little interesting. And it's not like just he just said, like, I'm going dark for a little while and deleted tweets and tweet delete. Like, shit is gone. Deleted, gone. Like, wiped. You can't find him anywhere on there. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm just curious what he comes out as. Does he come out just as normal Juice Robinson? Is this where they did? And I'm not saying that I think he switched blade, but I just, I don't know. It's unique. And, and, and there's something to that. I just can't get over the fact that everything is gone. Like, I don't think you do that unless there's a purpose for that. A larger purpose but again like it could be a personal life i don't know you, you know but it, it just seemed the timing seemed very suspect to me i don't think he's the knife guy um i saw speculation that maybe he's teaming with the knife guy in the tag in the tag uh, league i mean who knows um but yeah he, this you know or it could mean absolutely nothing like you said it could just be something in his personal life and he's just in this random 10-man tag because he's one of the 10 guys involved in this match. You just don't have a program this month, which, you know, that happens in new Japan and you work second from the bottom in a 10 man tag. That's just the way it goes. But, uh, this match will be worked around Horai Kawato. All of his matches are, uh, I think they see, uh, definitely see something in him. They see what all the fans see in him. The guy definitely has a crowd connection and you can't take your eyes off of Horai Kawato. You really can't. Um, you know, he's the highlight of nearly every match that he's in. It's gotten to the point where they're building the matches around them and, uh, you know, definitely looking for it. Look, if he wasn't in this match, this would be a throwaway match. You wouldn't care about. You're going to get half effort from a lot of guys involved. It's going to go seven minutes because Harai Kawato's in there. You got to pay attention to this match. And then we've got the dark match opener, David Finley. I'm so pumped versus Katsuya Kitamura, which made you know, this got a lot of people excited for a dark match because Look, here's the thing. I don't think anyone was expecting to get a Kitamura singles match on this show. And I think that, you know, Kitamura, we're all excited about that. You know, instead of Kitamura being buried in some six-man tag or that 10-man mess that we just talked about, he's in a singles match with David Finley, who's also a pretty decent wrestler, who has no direction and is just treadmilling his way through another year in New Japan. Will they send him away? Will they not send him away? I don't think they're ever sending him away. He's no He hasn't been a young lion for a year. Um it would be weird to send him on an excursion at this point. I just think he's a guy who is a lower mid card dude who they're never going to push. What do you think about that? Mr. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You you cut out there for a second. I wasn't sure if you were done talking. Um, Yeah. The Finley thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's at this point, like what it's, it's perplexing in a way. Like it's like, why I, I forget that he's there sometimes. Like he came out of one of these road to shows yeah. and I was like, Oh yeah, David Finley is still there. Like, Oh cool. Like the dude's like, I hope he's just there until he's like 47. And it's just like, Oh yeah, David Finley. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like they just know, never does anything. He's just like in openers and, and you forget about him for like eight months at a time. And you're just like, Oh yeah. yeah David Here's the thing. Cool. The other like, weird thing about him is not only do they not push him or, or send him on excursion or do anything with him at all. And really if Matt Seidel didn't get arrested, they would have literally done nothing with him ever because he really just slid into Seidel's role there for a while until that played itself out. He doesn't even take indie bookings. He doesn't work anywhere else. Yeah, how does he make enough money to sustain himself? He does does his New Japan tours, right? And in between the New Japan tours, he doesn't work anywhere else. He doesn't take – and look, I'm sure he gets phone calls. I mean, why wouldn't he? Um, He doesn't work anywhere else, you know? And and it's – he doesn't get pushed. I don't think they're ever going to push him. I think they see him as a preliminary wrestler. And it's just, it's gotten to the point where it's bizarre. You know, it's gotten to the point where, you know, 
there's speculation that he could lose this match. Now, yeah. I don't think that's going to no, happen. I, I don't either. I'm, maybe not speculation. There are some people that are picking it. I said, you know what, if you're ever going to do it, if you're ever going to buck the trend with with what you do with a young line, if you're ever going to kind of switch around every single thing and kind of shock the system, wouldn't this be the match you would do it? I mean, they're not going to do it. I know they're not going to do it. But if you were like, all right, look, this is a once-in-a-lifetime guy, Kitamura. I mean, that dude is a fucking monster. And Finley is you know he's fiddly like he could lose and it wouldn't matter it would i don't think it, i mean they're not gonna do it i know i know but you know if you were gonna do it wouldn't isn't this the scenario to do it yes but they're not gonna do it no i know it's gone to the point what if where, they do it no, they're not, I know. it's gone to the point with kitamura though where he's so impressive and he's so charismatic that it feels silly to me that he sells for people and he's a young lion but i still feel that way like he sells for david finley and i think it looks absurd does that make sense? Like I'll see himself or whoever. And I'm like, this is, this is dumb. This guy should be buzzsawing through people and getting a push, you know? Um, but it's just not their way. Um, but I mean, to me, it's weird. Like I'll, I'll watch this match and he'll lose. And it just, it, it won't compute in my head. It'll, 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 it'll be hard for me to suspend my disbelief. That's how charismatic and imposing this guy comes off when he's on the screen. This guy's money. Billions. Billions of dollars. We have we have set that. Um, I saw people on Twitter saying that he should win the IWGP heavyweight title. I agree. Uh, maybe at Wrestle Kingdom we can try to figure out a way to get him in there. But yeah, easily a billion dollar talent here. And uh, yeah, he's he's the greatest ever. So <laughs> I love him. He's pretty I just like it because it's just unique and different. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's not like yes. I would want a whole if there was a whole promotion of guys that looked like kids more, I'd hate it. And I would despise it. Yeah. But it's just like this guy, he's just a giant. It's just a massive, huge man in a land that that isn't gonna have that many of them. I mean, that's what I said when Jeff Cobb comes in the World Tag League, that dude is gonna be so over because he's just fucking huge. He's massive. Yeah. And like that's gonna always be attractive in a company where, where there isn't guys that are like that. So that's what kids more. He just jumps off the screen because he's just a monster of a man. Nobody's built just like a him. brick fucking house. Yeah. And again, like if there was 10 guys on the roster that were like that, I'd probably think all 10 of them were terrible and I hate them and whatever, but there's not, there's just Kitamura. and damn, I love it. It's just, the, it's the thing about Kitamura is he's a pretty good worker too. No, he's getting there. And that's, that's the shocking thing. Like I thought he was going to be a stiff. Yes. That was just around shoulder blocks. He's, he's going to be your classic, like your strong man's or whatever. The guy yeah. that's just, just voided out of his mind and can't move and can't your tank toll ins like those sort of guys, but he can fucking go and he's athletic. And it's just like, that's not yeah. fair. That's not good. Cause he's charismatic. He looks like a million bucks and he can kind of go. That is not fair for anybody. I, remember, I, I gotta bring it up again. I remember, um, you know, Meltzer made the comment that, that, uh, that, that Braun Strowman is Kitamura with a push. And a lot of people got bent out of shape about that. But now, I, I mean, it's like, he wasn't wrong. You know, this guy's awesome. Like he can go too. That's the thing. And he's charismatic. It's not like he's just a big roided up muscle head. oaf who's nothing but a good look. He exudes charisma. He has personality and he's very athletic and can go in the ring. I mean, this guy, it, it's, it's, he's, he's essentially, uh, he's evolving into a total package. I mean, they really have something with this guy. Um, and, and to the point where a lot of people are saying, look, this is the guy you can't send him away. He's already 32. <laughs> right. Right. Just fucking push him. But saying. I don't think they're going to do that. David I don't think they're going to do that. Enough, but. I, I, it's the time to do it. Do it. Do it. God damn it. No, I mean, I, I don't think they're. Just, I, I think they're going to send them. No, I know, I know, I know they will, but you know, but, don't. 
but I can see where people are coming from. It's like, but, the, but what they like to do is let you forget about a guy, bring him back with a fresh coat of paint, push the idea that he traveled the world and, and you know, um, enhanced his skill and that sort of thing. It, you know, it, it's like, but, but, but I do agree that if you are going to buck that trend with someone, this would have to be the guy to do it with. I mean, I mean, look, essentially, I mean, we're sitting here having this conversation and saying they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They did it with the guys facing. Like he didn't go away and he just became a guy on the roster. You know what I mean? So we're sitting here saying, oh, they can't do it. They never do it. Well, they did. They did it with Finley, right? They never sent him away. And now he's not a young lion anymore. So who's to say that they can't do it with this guy? So who knows, you know, but um, yeah, uh, it was kind of a, a nice surprise that he won't be in a tag and he'll be in a singles match. So that's your power struggle preview. Overall, I think it's a loaded show. I think it's going to be an excellent show. I think there's going to be at least five matches that we're raving about uh, next week. Will it be next week? Yeah, because it's on the fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there'll be five matches that that we're raving about when we do the show next week and we'll finally have a lot of clarity on what's going on at wrestle kingdom. We'll have people come out and make challenges after some of these matches. We'll have the world tag league pairings uh, announced. We'll know who the switchblade guy is. So next week's show, there's going to be a ton of, we'll probably know the entire wrestle kingdom card. Yeah. Most of yeah, we, we should know most all of it. Except any, for, any, know, any of the matches that matter. Yeah, because, exactly. Yeah, we want to know the random tags or whatever, or who's in the ramble. Right. We'll, we'll know the big time, big time matches because nothing yeah. else is getting made during you know World Tag League or whatever. That, that's... No, and, and we'll be able to figure out who's winning World Tag League based on who isn't been yeah. hasn't been paired off in a singles, and we'll know who's facing Killer Elite Squad. So who are conspicuous by their absence here? They're not doing a tag team title match on this show. Which you know what, we could all use a break, right? Yeah, because in December so... you're going to get plenty of uh, heavyweight tag matches. So yeah, you can you can take yes. a little break here. Enjoy the break because uh, you're about to get really bored of heavyweight tag matches over the next month. So. So no title defenses for KES until the Dome because the World Tag League final, of course, never features a title defense because the champions are involved in the tournament. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, from there, they're not going to do, you know, the winner of the World Tag League is going to face them. So they're not going to have any title defenses on a random cork and, you know, holiday show or anything like that. So it's going to be right to the Dome for KES for their first defense, uh, you know, assuming that they do not win World Tag League, which I do not expect that they will. Um, there'd be no reason for them to win World Tag League. That would be really stupid. I hope Goto and Ishii are teaming in the World Tag League and win the thing. Um, because right now, I don't really see a role for either of those guys at Wrestle Kingdom. And I would like to see them in something important rather than an eight-man tag or something. Uh, because they're too damn good not to be involved in, in a match that's meaningful. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see what other direction you would go. Um could you imagine if they do Ten Koji versus Killer Elite Squad again? <laughs> uh, like after, I mean, I know they haven't done it in a while. It's be Ten Koji and the Killer Elite Squad, and then Togi Makabe versus Cody. What are you doing in my Wrestle Kingdom, Joe? Stay away from I'm, the pencil. Get out of the. Get away. I'm, I'm murdering the first half yeah, of the show. Get the fuck away from here. Yeah, stop. But uh, yeah, I, I think I hope it's Goto and Ishii. I do, and and I, and I would hope that they would win that match. You know, but yeah, I, we know better when it comes to the tag teams. So. Um, you know, no faith in that until they, they, they prove that they can do something meaningful with it. But that's your Paros power struggle preview. Any other thoughts on that before? No, you I'm really looking forward to the show. And I think it's gonna be a really good top to bottom show. And we talk about, you know, in terms of matches that matter, I mean, there's really, I think what three matches that are just kind of there 
And even one of those three is, you know, the, the cast LIJ, which, you know, largely does matter, even though, you know, at this point it doesn't matter for us because we're kind of bored of it. But everything else in the show, I mean, even down to just a straight two-on-two tag match with Dragon Lee and, and, and T-Town versus the Bucks, oh, yeah. the dark match opener is a, a solid singles match. You've got just just everything else in the card is is, is awesome. It's one of the better cards they've had in, in, in quite a while. I'm super – I'm just really looking forward to it. And I'm telling you, that, that Bullet Club six, man, they're doing an angle after that match. So I wouldn't even write that off as a meaningless match because yeah. Cody mm-hmm. is doing something after that match. Um, and, and of course, we got the knife guy at some point. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah of course. So we'll get so we'll switch that, in there too, yeah. That's kind of a wild card, you know, because that knife guy, since we don't know who he is and we don't know what he's doing, he could really come out after any of these matches, these title matches or whatnot, and really throw everything for a loop. So, you know, who knows? Maybe knife guy's facing Tanahashi at the Dome, right? I mean, let's say the knife guy is Jay White. It would take some balls to do Jay White versus Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. But it would hypothetically be, say, third from the top. It, let's, For argument's sake, let's say you're doing Omega Ibushi. Okay? Just to get them out of the way. And you really want to get Jay White off on the right foot. Maybe he comes out at the end of this show and challenges Tanahashi and beats him at the Dome. And you just made a star, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's not something Tanahashi's you know adverse to. He'll, he'll do yeah. it. Yeah, he'll do it. Absolutely. And we know whether Jay White is knife guy or whether Jay White is coming back at another point. That dude's getting pushed when he comes. But we all know that, right? I mean, he that's a that he got pinfalls during the 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 New Japan and USA. Yeah, that was that was obvious then. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's kind of fun that we are at this point. We still don't quite know. We know we know one match, but and then you know everything else is kind of kind of fall as it may, and that, that's cool. That's I think that's unique and fun because at this point, I, I I seem to remember you know last year and prior years we have a pretty decent idea. But that's why this show was so important. I mean, this sets the stage for the biggest show of the year. You know, coming up. Uh, you know, obviously show early next year or whatever but it is the culmination of this year of new japan yes, so yeah yes. it's gonna be um yeah i'm really fascinated to see how this entire show plays out there's a lot of moving parts a lot of things that we don't quite know we we come out here i mean most of these matches we were like yeah i don't know that guy can win that guy can win that you know this is all up in the air so this is a must-watch show for sure yeah i mean that that ends wrestle kingdom ends their year the new year dash is the reset You're right exactly yeah yeah so um, you know, we'll get Power Struggle, we'll get World Tag League, we'll get a couple Corkins Christmas week, which are always a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, then you've got your uh, January 3rd show the day before, which is like a two or three match show across the street from the Tokyo Dome. And then you get Wrestle Kingdom, and then uh, you get your reset the next day on the 5th. It's a real exciting time from about Christmas through the 5th for New Japan. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, everyone kind of takes a break for World Tag League. I think it's real exciting around, you know, that Christmas week through the 5th. I love New Year Dash. I mean, that's become one of my favorite shows of the year in all of Yeah, I, I like the, uh, there's the one before Christmas where, like, Tanahashi always, like, is in the main event, and then he just goes to the top rope, and the snow always comes down. I just feel it's very Christmassy. It's just like, ah, okay. <laughs> like, now now Christmas can commence, because Tanahashi is wiping his sweat on people while snow is falling from the, the, the you know, yeah. the rafters. So, it's always a good one. Yeah, it's always a good feel for those shows, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so... Um, so this is it. This is a, you know, this we'll, we'll, we'll know what's going on for wrestle kingdom largely. And then we'll sleepwalk through world tag league. Um, you know, though, if there's some interesting teams in there, you know, you might pay a little bit closer attention to it. At least the world tag league final, that'll get a little bit of attention. Even if you're not there for every show, I know you tend to check out. 
Uh, yeah, well, I'm usually working on the book at that point, too. The yeah. Book, which, by the way, has happened again. So, yeah, I, I use that as a good time to just, like, check out and, and start really working on the book and not following exactly what's going on. But, yeah, if there's unique teams, I mean, you got Jeff Cobb. I'm always going to be – it looks like this lineup, and we'll, we'll get to that next week, of course, as we'll know. But it looks like, just from the names that have sort of been rumored, that it could be a really fun lineup. I mean, a lot yeah, of really looks like cool we're different get- names, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get Jeff Cobb and a mystery partner who we don't know who it is yet. We're going to get the knife guy potentially involved, an Australian team. Uh, there's a rumor that there'll be a team from Australia in the mix. And I think next year in New Japan, you're going to see a, a pretty strong Australian presence. Um, you know, obviously Okada uh, in November is going down there to wrestle Slex. And uh, I think next year you're going to see some of the Australian uh, talent integrated into New Japan. They've been scouting down there all year. So I'm sure they've picked out who they want to bring in. And maybe we'll see, um, you know, know, a couple of the guys they've chosen um, for World Tag League or whatnot. So, yeah, um, you know, from that perspective, I think we're going to get something a little more exciting than Leland Race and uh, Brian Breaker. (laughs) Right. Jesus. yeah, yeah, that's uh, whoever Jeff Cobb is with. It is going to be better than Leland Race, and uh, and yeah, that was so. Yeah, Jeff Cobb, you know, that's a guy to keep an eye on because if, look, remember when Mike Elgin debuted? They're not going to let him leave. No, I'm. I, they're not going to let that dude leave. That's what I'm saying. That guy's going to come yeah. out, and people are going to go, "Whoa!" And they are not going to let that dude leave. He's going to win a fucking job. He yes, is going he is. to win. He's going to earn a job if he does well on that tour. And let me tell you, he might earn Mike Elgin's job. You know what I mean? Like if, if Elgin signs somewhere else or because uh, Mike Elgin, his contract is up. We've confirmed that with the man himself. OK, his, his contract is up. Uh, he signed a two year deal two years ago. So in January and, and they have not, you know, New Japan, they're not going to negotiate with anybody until January. And he's going to take the best offer. So if someone else comes calling, you know, Mike's going to answer. So, you know, and, 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 you know, a guy like Cobb. I'm telling you, listen, you're right. They're not letting him leave without booking him for some future tours. If Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican jerk turkey sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican jerk turkey sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. As long as he doesn't completely shit the bed, which I, I see no reason why he would. No, God. Um, yeah, not Jeff Cobb. So I think he'll be a player next year. For sure. All right, where do you want to go now? We got NWA, we got TNA, we got some war games. What, what do you want to touch on next? You know what? I think. I think... Impact TNA Global Force is having Bound for Glory. It's their biggest show of the year. I think we owe it to them to do them next and not bury them and rush through it at the end. I agree. And it's a, it's a fun show. And I'm really looking forward to the show, too. I don't know I'm going to watch it live, but I think I'm going to watch it at some point. Um, looks, oh yeah, top to bottom. I mean, there's some interesting cards or interesting cards. There's some interesting matches. And uh, the feuds have been all right. I mean, Impact's going through a lot of oddness right now but i mean i've watched the the past few weeks of uh, of impact and the, the go home show that that was airing you know as we're recording this is it was it was really good i mean there was a lot of really good stuff on that show a lot of really good hype videos so i don't know like yeah i don't know i mean tna pay-per-views tend to kind of disappoint but i, I mean i like a lot of the stuff on this show so I, I don't know maybe i'm nuts i don't know if i've i've kind of worked myself into a shoot on this but there's some there's some stuff to like in this show rich i spent my entire day Watching seven episodes of Impact. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, don't In do that. fact, the the, the the go home show that you just referred to, 
just finished as as you were speaking. I just watched. Yeah, the- I um I found a way to watch the Go Home Show before it aired. I uh, did not know that I was watching well, the you Go are- Home Show until halfway through, and I said, "Uh oh, this is the Go Home inter- This is the international feed, and I just watched the show that hasn't aired yet." Whoops! You are a pirate, sir. Uh, but I have watched now the last seven episodes of Impact. I watched 14 hours of Impact Wrestling today. Of course, you know, fast forwarding liberally through commercials and shit that I wasn't interested in. I got to tell you, before we break down Bound for Glory, not a bad two hour TV show the last two months. Everything is logical, everything is well booked, everything makes sense, nothing blows you away, but it is a solid two hour wrestling show. It really is. And I have to tell you, it's been better than Raw over the same time period. I've been watching yeah, it's Raw not offensive at any. It's not offensive, it's not offensive in any at all. way and, whatsoever. And, and, you and, might and, find and, it boring. I, there are times where I'm watching Impact and it's like, eh, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's not offensive. And it's not like you don't want to rush to your remote and turn it off and, and say, oh, God, why am I watching this? It's, it's not that. It's just kind of like sometimes you can kind of lull you to sleep a little bit. But I'll take that over uh, like outwardly offensive and, and you know making me wonder why the hell I waste my time doing this. I, I, I don't feel that when I watch Impact. It never knocks your socks off, but the wrestling's good. Um, it is, it is okay. Remember the end of the Dixie Carter era where the show wasn't necessarily bad, but it was so fucking boring and the wrestling wasn't even good. And, you know, uh, Damien Sandow, whatever his gimmick was at the time, was coming out there and just putting everybody to sleep. And it was just, it was, and then the crowd was dead in the impact zone. It was just, it wasn't bad, but it was boring. Now the wrestling's okay. And, and it, it doesn't have that sterile death smell to it that it had at the end of the Dixie era. And you would never know the strife that the company is going through behind the scenes by watching the TV show. I think that's important to note. If you just watch the TV show and you're Joe wrestling fan or Joe guy flipping through channels, anybody flip through channels anymore? Does that even happen? Yeah, I, I haven't flipped. I haven't just but, been like, well, let's see what's on the tube today. I just go to the guide and I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that. I'll watch that. I'll watch right. that. Yeah. Everyone goes to the guide. I do the page Nobody... down too. I do the page down too. Yes. I don't do like the one by one no. thing. I'm just like, give me five at a time. I'm going to scan it. Nope, 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 nope. All right. And like, I watch the same eight channels anyway. So I don't even know why I bother doing that. I just go to those eight channels, but you know, never know. Yeah. Sometimes a movie so, will mean, be on and just stop on a movie or whatever. But yeah, I've never been like, all right, channel two and let's go. Like, that's called getting shanked. You know, you get it, it comes from the yeah, Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption yeah, yeah, because yeah, anytime yeah. you come across the Shawshank Redemption, you know, you have to stop and watch the rest of it. No matter what point in the movie it's in, you're like, oh shit, I just got shanked. Right. So I'm that way so with uh, Major League. Major League, every, I've seen that movie fucking thousands of times, but it's just like, damn, MLB Network showing Major League. Like, I'm watching Major League, I guess. Like, Major League in the Sandlot. It's just like, fuck. And it's like, and I know it's like the first five minutes of the movie, and I'm just like, god damn it. I had like a lot planned today, but no, I mean, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, so you get shanked by Major League. I get shanked by Major League. That's yeah. one of my movies that shanks me. The Breakup with uh, Vince Vaughn and, uh, and uh, Jennifer oh, Aniston. Okay. That shanks me every time. Uh, love that movie. Can't get enough of it. Goofy comedy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah. But does anyone literally cycle through the channels, like flipping through them? No one does that anymore, you know? So it's like, um, that that's just something that, like, you're old enough to remember flipping through channels. Oh, God, but yes. Any, yeah. But anyone younger than you is have, you have no concept of what flipping through channels even is, you know? And think about it. For real old motherfuckers, they literally had they flip through the channel, <laughs> right? Yeah, walk up to their TV and click, yes, click, click, click yeah. and move the dial 
you know, over, you know, clockwise or whatever, and literally flip the channels, you know, before the advent of the remote control. Do you, let me ask you if you remember these. Do you remember the original cable remotes that were connected by a wire? And you'd get like a four foot long wire connected. I'm 30. No. (laughs) I don't know what cable, I don't know what cable system you had as a youth. No, No. you had regular remotes with batteries. What are you talking about? Yeah, listen, there was this remote, right? And it was like a Dumont network. I wasn't looking for gorgeous George matches on the Dumont network. (laughs) Let me describe this thing to you. Because this is, when I was a kid, this is the remote that was attached to the TV. It had like like a four foot long wire that ran from the TV to the remote. And the remote looked like a fucking like a word processor. Remember what those look like? It like, like, yes, like it looked yes. like a fucking typewriter and it had like a series of buttons. Like it maybe had 20 buttons on it. Right. But then it also had like a switch control to the left of the buttons because each button, right. Represented three different channels, depending on where you had the switch, you could put the switch high, middle or low and then press the button, and then it would choose whichever. So you had 20 buttons, but three channels assigned to each button. So, you know, you had like 60 channels all together, and the remote was like connected to a wire. It seems so, far too complicated for what it was trying to do. But anyway. Yeah, yeah so, you, so you're walking. You, you, what would happen is you trip over the fucking wire walking through the living room, or it was just t- t- totally nonsensical. Like looking back, it just seems so uh, – uh, like, like you're saying, overly complicated. It was almost easier just to get up and change the channel on the TV itself. But yeah, those were like the original cable TV. I don't even know how you can even call that. I guess it was remote. I guess you could pull the wire out and sit the thing on your lap. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, okay. This is interesting. So you, you got like 214 and 26 is on this one. And then 315 and 27. It's by right. Gerald, Gerald or whatever. Push button it, cable box is what it's called. So. Yes. So do you see how it worked? Like you would yeah, press the button. Fuck, that's confusing as shit. And if, <laughs> and if you wanted to go from channel 2 to channel 14, you would press the 21426 button and then pull the lever down from the middle, from the top to the middle to get to 14. Yeah, it seems overly complicated. I don't know why. Yeah. It's whatever. It's like, I guess if you want to get, because then again, like what you had to do otherwise is just like, all right, well, like, because the old school remotes were like the, the big ass, like two button things on and then channel up and down. So like right. if you wanted to get, but once cable came out and you're trying to get to channel 56 or whatever, watch a little, you know, Turner broadcast, you know, systems or whatever. How are you going to, you don't want to sit there for 15 minutes to get to 50. Like you got to get going here. So I, I guess your invention does work for that point. But then uh, thankfully they figured out right. that numbers worked better. That's yeah, just, yeah, just exactly. Allowing you to click the numbers would work a lot better than that. But uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. No, I had never seen one of those before. That is, uh, that is unique for sure. But, but those old two-button remotes led to channel flipping. Like, to, even just to get to the channel you knew you wanted to get to, you had to flip through 20 other channels to get to it. So then maybe something would catch your attention, right? And then you would stay on it. But the problem is, like, now if you want to watch, like, two things at once, you just have, the, the like, the, 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 the last button, right? You're like, all right, I'm watching this movie on HBO, but I'm also watching this game. And you just hit the button that flips between those two channels. Imagine doing that in 1984 and you're watching something on channel three and something on channel 48. It's just too exhausting. You're not going to keep flipping between three and four. You're just going to fucking pick one. And that's the other reason why television lead-ins were so important in those days, because changing the channel was such an arduous task that it was like, it was easier just to leave the same fucking channel on all night. 
So if anything like decent was coming on after what you watched, you were just like, ah, fuck it. I'm just leaving it on. Right. I'm watching Nickelodeon tonight. Like that's, and that's, yeah, even, even back in my day, it was just like, yep, um, this is my channel. You kind of picked your channels and that was your channel. That, you, that, that was it. Like, I'm that was what now. you watched. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I don't want to flip through 19 channels to see what else is on. Whatever comes on, eh, it's good enough. I'm going to leave it. You know, but now it's like, you know, these, these television exactly, it's harder for them to, to, to strategically program because lead-ins and things of that nature don't mean anything anymore because everything is so easy just to flip around and, 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 and get to it. You know, it, it was just a matter of convenience back then. I don't know what this has to do with TNA or, or Bound for Glory. <laughs> outdated wrestling promotions or outdated technology. I don't know. Maybe that. But yeah, so the Impact show hasn't been that bad. I should know. I just watched 14 hours of it. Uh, today. That's what I do with my day off. That, you know what I do on my day off from work for the listeners of this show, Rich? I watch 14 yeah, I hours of Impact really Wrestling. I watched two episodes. You should have done that. That now. was much more fun. I put the fucking work in. That's what I do. Okay? But I agree. I thought the lead-in, uh, the, the go-home show, rather, very good. And like we talked about, you know, showing matches from Crash and Noah and all these different places, Border City. I think that's interesting. It's kind of like the idea that the NWA had under the Thorpe regime, the uh, Bruce Thorpe regime, where he was going to splice together matches from the various territories and do a television show where you would get matches from all over the country. But obviously it never came to fruition. That's kind of what these impact shows have, have, have a similar feel to that. And with the global force branding, which obviously is going to go away, it kind of all makes sense, right? Because it's like you're really getting global wrestling the last two weeks on the show, getting stuff from all over the world. I don't know. It just feels different. And anything that feels different, everything is just a copycat of Raw. Yeah, that's what I said. Like at the top of the show, it was just like, I don't care if it's great. I don't care if it's maybe a little boring. I don't care if it's a little disjointed. It's just different. It's just, it, it kind of shakes up the, the the wrestling TV show template that we're so used to. So it's like, I'll take anything. I'll take any idea that you have that makes it look and feel a little bit different. And I thought this absolutely looked and felt different. So Impact made some cuts of their own this week. It wasn't just WWE that fired people. We have the list, correct, Rich? Uh, we do, yes. People out of work. Yeah, we got Rockstar Spud. Okay, Scott. that's that's the big one, Rockstar Spud. I think yeah. that's the one that deserves a little bit of discussion. Um, obviously, there's uh, there's talk that he would be a perfect fit for uh, 205 Live. Could you imagine Vince McMahon uh, watching interactions between Rockstar Spud and Enzo and getting a, yeah, a, a Rockstar Spud and, and Gallagher? It's just like, oh, man. Like, yes. he, yeah, so, he's salivating at what he can do with these little fun guys, his little midgets. His little, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yes. sure he, he thinks that these are just like these little play toys. That he's just like these little guys that go out there and he can just have some fun with them. And they do this weird thing. And this guy dresses up like a British dude. And this guy's British. And that, like, that's, it's, yeah. Well. I think Spud's a talented guy. I also think he's a better wrestler than he gets credit for. And um, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ends up with WWE. Uh, but look, there's budget cuts taking place. Ever since uh, Jarrett was let go, Jarrett brought in all this new talent. He spent all of Anthem's money. Now Anthem is out of money. Uh, there were some other minor talent cuts. Let's r- run through them, and I'll give quick thoughts. Yeah, so we got uh, Reno Scum, which is obviously Thorne Stone and, and Luster the Legend. They're, okay, they're gone so the as deal, well. The deal with them, I think what happened with them is uh, Oink kind of does a similar act as them, and uh, they're getting a big push. They won the tag team titles. What are they called in Impact? They're called uh, Ohio, Ohio versus, versus everything. Everyone. Yeah, O-V-E. So not Oink. Yeah. They're Ohio versus everything. So Yeah, the, uh, Dave and Jake Christ. So I kind of think that uh, Reno Scum became redundant. Plus, Thornstow was injured for a long time. Right. And, and the biggest factor of all, they were being flown in from Las Vegas. 
So if you're in cost cutting mode and you're trimming the fat, uh, you know, uh, you know, two plane tickets to and from Las Vegas are going to be one of the first things to go, especially when you have a team very similar to them that you're already pushing. So yeah, they can drive from Ohio if they want to. So yeah, that, that'll work a little bit better. There yeah. you have MJ Jenkins. What do you know about MJ Jenkins or any reaction? I don't know a ton. I know that she was the person that they put on a bus when they brought her to uh, the tapings that they were, which was uh, kind of a story that probably didn't get enough press. Um, and then I think she only worked one or two tapings and, um, you know, so in real time, she was with the company for like two days. Um, I don't don't even know how much TV time that she ended up getting, but it's the kind of, that's the kind of person where only Garrett Kidney knew she existed. (laughs) Right. I, I, I've never, I I don't know who that was. Yeah. When, when you put MJ Jenkins on this note, I I went and I was like, oh, okay. I kind of looks familiar, I guess, but I I haven't seen a single. Yeah. Second of her on, on TV. Uh, this one caught me by surprise. Marche Rocket. Mostly caused me that surprise because why was Marche Rocket still there? Yeah, I mean, he wrestled 10 matches last year, and I think he wrestled 15 matches this year. And a lot of them were explosion. A lot of them were one-night-only deals. Uh, he didn't get a ton of time on Impact. He didn't get a uh, – I think he worked one pay-per-view, even though they only run two or three a year. Um, never got any kind of push or anything like that. We were perplexed that they signed him to begin with. I mean, nothing against him, but it was kind of a weird. Well, he's, a Cor- he's, he's, a, he's a Corrigan guy. I mean, that he's always been oh, a Corrigan guy. guy. From, okay. From day. Yeah, I mean, Rev, uh, the, the local indie that Corrigan did here, he Marche was his guy. I mean, that they there's they they love each. Other. I don't know. They, they're big fans <laughs> of one another. Okay, so, so then he survived the Jarrett regime somehow. Yes, slipped yes. through the cracks. That's what I mean. That's what I don't understand. I'm surprised he wasn't day one. Corrigan out. He's out. I think right. that he didn't know and they didn't. I don't know what the hell happened. Like, I don't know if he just yeah. kept quiet and was like, I'm just going to get this paycheck until they realize that I'm here or whatever. But kind of yeah, a Lanny Poffo WCW thing. Right, right exactly. Where he's like, you forget that you're paying them. Like, yeah. I'll just take these checks until they figure it out. And then finally they looked at it and they're like, who the fuck is Marjorie Rocket? What the hell? No, we're not paying him anymore. Yeah. God only knows what he was actually making either. But yeah, he's a Corian guy. So uh, I would expect him to next stop to, I, I don't know. He's a guy with like a real job and stuff too. So that's why he's not that guy that just like busts his ass to try to get to those yeah. next spots or whatever. So TNA was perfect for him because it's a guy that yeah. like, hey, one weekend out of the month or whatever, he has to go and, and work or he can take a Friday off and, and you know, do with a long weekend or whatever. And that's all he needed to do. It's like the Davey Richards thing we said. Like Davey Richards is perfect for TNA because it's like I can be and do my normal job and then just come to TNA and, and, and work, you know, four or five days out a month or whatever and, and bang it all out right away. So I don't know what his next step is going to be. He's never going to be that guy that's going to travel around the world. Uh, to wrestle. So I don't know. Maybe he's just right back to doing Chicago Indies and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. He, he was originally brought in with the whole Caleb Conley, Alley, Braxton Sutter. Remember when they signed all those people? Right, he right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he survived, like you're saying, a regime change, two regime changes before they finally got rid of him. And and those other people, they've all eventually found roles for. He just never found, they never found the role for him. No. So I could see I could see why they caught uh, the other two are Brian Hebner and Robert King. So Brian Hebner, of course, the obviously the son of Earl Hebner, been there for a long time, but he uh, he asked for his release as well. I'm not sure about Robert King, but I know Hebner uh, came to it. And and some of these people, and, and again, we're like they're they're gone and we're not saying that necessarily every single one of these were fired. A lot of them were like negotiated the release or asked for the release, but it probably yeah. was, hey, we're gonna cut your pay in half. Do you wanna stay or no? And if they say no, then that's not necessarily firing, it's just sort of we, we know what the it's not like Brian Hebner out of nowhere, unrelated to budget cuts, just decided that this week he wanted to get released. You know, that's it's right. Not, yeah. <laughs> and the other dude was a ref as well. So right. if you're going to cut budget, if you're going to do budget cuts, I mean, refs would to me would be the first things I would I would I would do. I would I would cut refs before I would cut talent. Uh, refs don't draw money. 
Um, you know, so it's like, how many refs do you really need? Can you get by with three refs instead of five? Of course you can, you can. Buy two if you want. Yeah, if you really, yeah. really wanted to, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, at least if, if it were up to me, that, that'd be the first area I would look. So I'm not surprised that a couple of referees are gone. And uh, yeah, and then um, I think that's all of them, right? Or, and I guess... Uh, well, that's the, that's the talent, but then a little bit behind the scenes stuff. One that kind of hit me a little hard too, because this is uh, one, of, one of the bigger inspirations for, for what we do and what, you know, or at least what, what I do and a big reason why I got into uh, doing wrestling podcasts and doing these things as well. Uh, the Live Audio Network and Fight Network. So fightnetwork.com was... was um, and Fight Network, obviously, the network, Anthem owns that network. And then Live Audio Wrestling is a show that, that started in 1997 and then kind of moved over to Fight Network and, and is on, you know, actual radio in Canada. And, you can you know, it's on a bunch of different networks and affiliate networks as well. Well, on uh, 1030, they basically just completely wiped everything. They wiped uh, John Pollock, who was the editor of the Fight Network uh, website. He was the on-air host. He was a podcast host. He did a review away, review of Raw, a review of SmackDown. He was a liaison for uh, Japanese audio wrestling, which is hosted by Jojo Remy, who writes to the site. Uh, the British audio wrestling, which is co-hosted by uh, Ali Court, who obviously is on the site as well. So they were there, his late, which is funny because those guys never heard a thing. Like, they let Pollock go and they didn't even think, like, oh, what is this guy actually, you know what I mean? Like, it was just a, here's a line item guy, get him out of here, whatever, not knowing that there were other people that sort of relied on him for, for information so those guys have no clue and those guys were kind of in the in the dark as well so it's it's kind of a unique situation here and so they let him go uh and then other guys they let go as well they let go of Wei Ting, who who was a backstage guy there as well did a lot of video editing and stuff like that hosted review away and review of smackdown and review of uh, uh raw with, with pollock and they let go uh, of david and, and jason who hosted live audio wrestling forever and so again the show had started in 1997 and is now completely gone and, and just wiped and in one fell swoop wiped out and they said that they're going to bring it back with like a new you know new format or whatever i mean when we have a show that's been around for you know that long no one's gonna be on board with like a new format or whatever so that's gonna be a disaster i don't know how that's gonna work i've heard you mean you mean you mean anthem's gonna bring something else back without those hosts yeah yeah no 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 those guys i mean Pollock and Waiting are already kind of doing their own thing as they They're doing a podcast. They, they did a podcast Monday. Yeah, exactly. They did a review of Raw uh, already, and they did a review of SmackDown as well. Uh, uh, so those two dudes are going to – whatever it is. I mean, Pollock's a guy who – he busts his ass. I mean, that is one of the hardest workers in wrestling or whatever. He's a guy that's that's – you know, done maybe not a lot directly for our site. I know he follows us and he, he reads a lot of the stuff we do. And I know he's aware of us and, and is always, you know, given kind thoughts whenever uh, we've published something that he's really liked or whatever. But he's a guy that busts his ass. Like I said, he was the liaison for all those podcasts. He, he hosted uh, not only the wrestling ones, but he did the MMA hour. He did a lot of on-air stuff, too, for the Fight Network. He used to have studio shows. They used to have guys at a desk talking about wrestling, guys at a desk talking about MMA or whatever. They cut that basically back in March when Anthem first started making the sale and realized, oh, Jesus, we're, we're buying impact and we don't have enough money to do this or enough money to sustain this so all those studio shows were kind of gone and he had just basically been the website editor and then the podcast host at that point and then they went the next step and dropped that but what's interesting too is way uh, as a guy who does a lot of editing a lot of the back you know background of the video production for fight network as well so fight network basically has no like it, it, it's a bare bones operation now at, at this point especially when you got all these guys i mean these guys were kind of the heart and soul of the wrestling end of the fight network so yeah it, it, it's it's really interesting but yeah we i have heard rumblings from a few people that what they are planning on bringing back is like a very pro tna uh live audio wrestling version because these guys just basically talk about whatever they wanted you know like they would criticize tna they would do all that and i'm not suggesting that they were released because of that or they were fired because of that but i think when they're gonna replace them they want something that's a little bit more company line you know what i mean 
little bit more of here's something that's one of our properties. Let's do whatever we can with this other property that we have to promote this property, if that makes sense. Versus yeah. Live Wrestling was like, let's talk to Dave Meltzer about whatever happened in this WWE pay-per-view. This happened in MMA. And, oh, TNA exists too, da, 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 or whatever. But the focus was always WWE and New Japan and that sort of stuff. And, and you know, I, I'd imagine whatever they bring back with in whatever form it is, which is probably, unfortunately, Jeremy Borash having to do more work, is going to be like Jeremy Borash talking about TNA and then also talking about some other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what I see. But that that's that, that, huge ramifications too. And, and review away and and, and all those review uh, shows and everything that Pollock and Wei Ting did were a huge reason for, for me getting into wrestling podcasting as well and me getting into podcasting in general. So it definitely hit me pretty hard, but it's good to know that they're still, they're still recording. It's not the end of their relationship, and hopefully they'll, they'll find, figure out whatever to do uh, or whatever their next step is. But, yeah, it was uh, another victim of the cost-cutting. So it's, uh, it was a bloodletting there <laughs> earlier this week in, in, in Anthem World. And, and that's – you know what? If you're Anthem – it, it it looked like we had some stability there, and it's just if you're TNA, there's just never stability, and anything that they touch, they just destroy. It's just a black hole that TNA man, you know, it's, it bursts through what whoever it is, sucks up their bank accounts, sucks up their talents, sucks up employees. It's just it's it's a dynamo, man. It's it's unbelievable. when they're officially dead and gone. Whenever this happens, man, there is so much money to be made in in, in retelling the story of of Impact. I've never seen anything like that in wrestling. They just nobody gives up. Everybody always tries. Why does everybody try? Uh, like Billy Corgan is like so upset that they let him go that he goes and we're gonna talk about it a little bit and has like you know he, he decides all right fuck you then I'm gonna do the NWA or whatever like he just can't say TNA can't just say no you're done Billy and he just goes you know what you're right I'm out of here like the wrestling is stupid whatever he's like in, in those videos when we're talking about those NWA videos he's like they let me go so I bought my own wrestling company who cares why do so many people care about TNA other than Garrett Kenny I'm glad he cares but why does somebody it's just this weird thing. That in any other realm, in any other world, people would have given up on this thing like 11 years ago. And just said, that ah, fuck it, it's not going to work, whatever. It just, it never dies, man. And it's just a black hole. It's unbelievable. I think maybe people see it as something that they don't have to start from the ground up. It's established. Um, you're going to laugh, but maybe it has name value to people. I, I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's there. It has a TV deal. Um, a lot of the legwork is done for you. You just buy in. You, you, everyone thinks they could turn around. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Like Anthem, I, who was a very stable company, owned a very stable TV network, a very stable website, very stable radio show, and they buy TNA and just all that shit goes out of the way so that they can fund TNA. It's just like, why? Why? Why do you do this? Why? Yeah, and now, they're, just, and now they're, they're bleeding money now. Yeah, and, it's, it's, yeah, and it's not like it was a great – it was not a good deal at the time. It's never going to be a good deal. It's just – it's it's so weird. I don't understand. And and what we were talking about this with Garrett as well. It's kind of off air. And I know he's mentioned it on Twitter as well that no matter what, when you get like smart business people – because I have no doubt that the, the, the heads at Anthem are smart business people. They've, they've been successful for years and years and years. I have no doubt that they're smart business people. But the second you get into wrestling, particularly when you get into TNA, you just lose your fucking mind. Like these guys, like, you know what I mean? Like they've perfectly established businesses for years and years and years, and they just get into wrestling. I mean, the, the, Bob Carter had just say, no, I'm not going to pay for the shit anymore. Stop. Like Dixie is just putting her entire reputation on the line for TNA. I don't get it. It's just, it's so unique. Yeah. Wrestling, uh, it, 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 it does make you stupid. It does make smart people. <laughs> just go do other stuff. Like I'm glad yeah. he's into it. I'm glad he wants to. And it's just like, man, like, why do you do this? But I'm glad he seems, we'll talk about it a little bit with the TNA or the, the NWA, but it's just like normal, smart people just get nuts. It's just this weird he's, business. He's a passionate 
wrestling fan from his youth, and he has the money to do a real life efed is what it comes down to. Yeah, you know, and 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 who's to say that if I didn't have the money, I wouldn't do something like that. I you know I don't know, uh, you know, intellectually I can say no. The last thing I would do with my money, even if I had money to burn is burn it on pro wrestling learning from the mistakes of everyone else. But who knows, maybe to him, it's, it's, it's just, that's exactly what it is. Maybe whatever it was, he paid for the NWA was just money to burn. It was, yeah, it was right. no different. It was no different than the amount of money rich Creech spends when he goes to a bar on a Saturday night. Right. Like right. maybe it's, it's, that, similar, it's relative to that. Yeah. It's like, him, yeah, whatever. Right. It's, you know, quarter of a million dollars, whatever, not a big deal. I'll do that. Yeah. Right. So who knows? Um, but that, that could be why in his case, as far as why these, you know, otherwise smart business people sync with this shit sync with this ship of impact slash TNA. I don't know. I mean, it really, the Dixie Carter. Okay. Again, that's someone who was a wrestling fan who, you know, her, her and who her father was giving her something to do. You know, it's kind of like you can take them on a case by case basis. Anthem wanted programming, Right. And it's like, but didn't they see that this thing was just going to bleed cash? But Jeff Jarrett just got into their heads, I guess. And look, we talk about it all the time. The, the, guy's a, the guy's a worker. Right. And they right? hadn't realized I mean, that. Just, yeah. And that's the, the, the funny thing is like, when they get in this like cycle, I guess it's like pro wrestlers that never want to retire. They just, they, once you get in the wrestling cycle, it's like you cannot get out. Like, yes, if you're Anthem, if you're a smart business, you're like, well, you need programming. And, and Jarrett told us this is a good thing. Once you know that Jarrett's uh, not there anymore, and once you realize that you're bleeding money, don't you just say, ah, fuck this wrestling thing? Yeah. They don't. They're like, nope, fuck everything else. We got to keep this wrestling thing going. And it's like, what are you doing? Well, 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 Jarrett, in this case, you know, essentially spent other people's money. Right. Get back into the game, you know? And um, as soon as he's gone, they start cutting fat again it's it, it really is amazing but bound for glory is coming yes and we're excited about that so hey and, and it's like i said though if you if you watch impact you you really have no clue what's going on behind the scenes it's it's a well put together show i think people like scott Damore and dutch mantel and jim Cornette when he was involved they're smart guys when in terms of putting together logical pro wrestling and logical pro wrestling television and it is reflected in the shit i mean impact is a dramatically better show than it was at the end of the dixie carter era and it has sustained and and i you know i watched 14 hours of it today and i generally enjoyed myself and i will tell you one theme as we go over these matches on bound for glory is that all of these matches are well built and have been built for months every single match on this show so at minimum that's something you can say which always which hasn't always been the case with this company um do you want to? Uh, do you want to take us through the show, Dave, or do you want to? Uh, what do you? How do you want to do this? Yeah, uh, let's, you, uh, let's, I took us through. I took us through Power Struggle. You take us through this. Yeah, let's I'm, do that. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll start at the top as well, like we did with the Power Struggle. Uh, you got Eli Drake. Uh, he's defending the Impact Global Championship. This is confusing as fuck, but go yeah. stick with us. Impact Global Championship. Uh, Eli Drake defending against Johnny Impact, of course, the former John Morrison, the former uh, Johnny Mundo, uh, whatever he takes. So Eli Drake, Johnny Impact. What are your thoughts? Eli Drake's the world champ. That's all you need to know. Right, exactly. Okay. Don't worry about the names. <laughs> They'll probably change again anyway, so don't worry. Yeah. Um, look, I think Eli Drake is average as hell between the bells. He's Darren Young. We just talked about Darren Young, right? Well, just two hours ago. We talked about Darren Young and how average he is and how he's just a guy. He's a jag. That's Eli Drake between the bells. The difference is between Eli Drake and someone like Darren Young is Eli Drake is very good 
on promos. He's very good on how he uh, carries himself. And you could tell that he's very much into the role of being a world champion. Yeah, he's he loves it. This. Yes, he's embracing it for sure. Yes, and and I know a lot of people think he's you know like a rock ripoff with his promos, and he does have the rock's cadence, and he does do promos very similar to the rock. I don't know if that's necessarily his fault. I think maybe that's just the way the guy talks. I think that you know I I don't know if he's intentionally ripping off the rock or not. He does come off as a dollar store rock sometimes with his promos. But he does carry himself well, uh, and he does talk well enough to where he, 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 he gets his character across. And if it wasn't for his average wrestling, I think he'd be an excellent world champion. It's just he can't get it done between the bells. And it's just we're in an era now where, where you know, work rate does matter to some extent. I mean, it used to be it didn't matter at all. And you could still get by if you're super charismatic, if you're a lousy worker. But – you know, it's um, you know, I think I think Melter may have made this point a couple of days ago. It's like work has mattered more now than it ever has in history. Right. It's you're the exception right. of the rule if you're a guy that can't work right now. Yeah. And so, you stick out like a sore thumb, and, that, and that's gonna be that's the one issue with the show, and, and and a lot of this is that main event. I like a lot of the stuff, but and and I, I kind of am the same way about Mundo Impact, whatever. He's kind of the like I I enjoy him at times in small doses, but like I don't think it, so. That's my one worry is that this match is just not going to deliver on that big big time sort of stage as being a big time main event because I don't know that either of those two dudes are 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 what we sort of have come to think that a main event style wrestling match is in 2017 you know, does, does that make sense like even though impact is fine and, and he's whatever but he's a guy that was like awesome in 2007 and now kind of wrestles like that still and it's like we've seen a big difference in 10 years where he's been passed up by hundreds if not you, you know what i mean like that, that's he's just a guy now i mean he's, he's I'll, I'll disagree a little i i like johnny impact i think <sighs> but, but i don't like this matchup for him uh, he sucks <laughs> he's not very good i think he's, what's, what's, I the think last, he's what's the last good johnny impact match you've seen joe What's the last one that you said? Man, that Johnny gave me a good old match there. That was really fun. Because I haven't watched Lucha on the Ground since then. He was good in, in Lucha. He had a very good match against Ricochet in Lucha on the Ground. I think that was, uh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ago. Prince Puma. Uh, that was season one. Well, you asked me. I mean, I, I don't watch his promo. Well, I don't watch ago, his- That kind of is my point, though, right? If three years ago no, was the well, match you're bringing well, up. Well, is- well, no. Well, no. My, I don't watch the man's promotion. I mean, the last time I watched his promotion, I enjoyed his matches. But I don't watch the place that he works. He hasn't done uh, to be fair, he hasn't done anything that I've particularly enjoyed on these 14 hours of impact I just watched. Uh, but I mean, maybe if I was still watching Lucha Underground, I would still enjoy his stuff because, you know, I, I toss my hands in season two. Um, so, you know, I, I don't watch the Lucha promotions that he works. I just don't watch where the guy works. I don't watch those promotions. Uh, this is a bad matchup for him, though. I don't think this is going to be uh, any kind of great match or anything like that. Um, but it has been well built. It's it's they've been you know um, they've been building it for two months, um, and and you know this is the match they went with on top. I don't think it's any kind of money drawing match or anything like that. Uh, Slam Anniversary did less than a thousand buys, and Bound for Glory will probably also do in the three digit. Uh, area in terms of buys, it's not gonna. It probably won't crack four figures, um, and and I don't think this match is gonna uh, push them over the top to make that sort of difference. So, um, but but look, I think Eli Drake tries. I think he's embraced the role. I think uh, Johnny Impact was uh, a guy you know worth bringing in who had a little bit of name value. Um, but no, I don't think it's any kind of a difference making match or anything like that. 
Uh, we have a six-way Impact X Division Championship match. You got Trevor Lee, the champion, versus Desmond Xavier, Garza Jr., Matt Seidel, Petey Williams, and Sanjay Dutt. So normally we always kind of moan at, at multi, but I, I like X Division multi men's. Uh, I'll always take, and this one should be pretty awesome. There's a lot of fun names in there, a lot of really fun guys in there, and Trevor Lee's been pretty cool too. So I, I, I'm way into that. I think he's been a good champion. I, Matt Seidel's been pretty good on Impact as well. Petey Williams, Petey Williams, Desmond Xavier is one of my favorite guys going right now. So I'm all in on this match. I mean, I love everybody that's in it, and I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, Desmond Xavier won the X Cup. Matt Seidel has been doing some good things. Garza Jr. has been uh, actually very good on, on the TV. Petey Williams came back a couple weeks ago. Sanjay Dutt's the former champion. Trevor Lee beat him for the title. Trevor Lee does a heel act. He's got his Carolina crew with Caleb Conley and uh, Andrew Everett, and he leads that uh, mini stable. He's a heel champion who always used uses nefarious means to retain the X title. I expect him to lose it here. Um, probably to Dutt, um, but I do think he will lose it. I Look, he, he's he's not out there having four-star matches, but I think what Trevor Lee is doing is exactly what's being asked of him by the company. He's asked to go out there and have six-minute TV matches where uh, Caleb Conley interferes or he hits somebody with a belt shot and retains a title. Uh, he, he's giving uh, – uh, he, he, he does decent promos. He's doing what's asked of him to the best of his ability. There was a time when I thought Trevor Lee was dogging it in this promotion. I thought his effort was just very clearly lacking to what you would see out of him in other places. I don't think that's the case anymore. He's just not put in a position – to have great matches because he's not been, he hasn't been booked as that kind of champion. He's been booked as a, a cheating heel who, uh, you know, uh, always uses bullshit to retain his title. So, um, from that perspective, I think he's doing what's asked of him. Uh, this should be crazy. It should be wild. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then you got a five one five zero street fight with Ohio versus everything. Jake and, and and Dave Chris, as we mentioned, against Latin American Exchange. It's going to be Ortiz and Santana against this one. Uh, pretty interesting build for this one. I don't know that I'm I'm like super looking forward to it, but you know these guys are everybody involved in this match is is are pretty decent workers. I don't think it's going to be horrible, but I don't know that I'm expecting it to be like you know the best match on the show or whatever. It, it, it'll be fine. I think it will be the best match on the show. Um, I think that. You know how I feel about Oink, right? I affectionately call them Oink. I make fun of them all the time. I don't like them in AAW. I don't like them in some of the other indies they work in. I love them in Impact for whatever reason. I, they, I think they're the stars of every match that they're in. I think they're the stars of every segment that they're in. I just think they're doing – this is the I've, – I've never enjoyed Dave and Jake Chris as much as I do in this company. I think they're doing a great job. They beat LAX for the titles a couple weeks ago. LAX has sort of been plotting and scheming how to get those titles back. Uh, the storyline is uh, OVE actually went down to Mexico and faced them. And um, uh, they're, they're not inti- they're, the, the idea is that they're, they're not intimidated by LAX. Everybody else is intimidated by this gang warfare that LAX employs. And LAX challenged them to the 5150 street fight, expecting OVE to just crumble at that. Suge- no, they're like, okay, we'll do it. We don't even know what it is. We don't care. We'll defend the titles in your match. We have no problem with that. So the match has been well built. Uh, again, a, a two-month-long build with uh, with uh, progression in the storyline. And OVE has been doing good things in the ring. I think this will be the best match on the show. Interesting. Okay. That, that, that's, that's, 
Yeah, I, I, I hope it is. I, it looks like it's got the potential to do it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, not as high on, on OVE as, as you are, but uh, I see them pretty often as well. So You see them all, I know. And listen, I get it because I don't like them anywhere else but here. For whatever reason, I, yeah, I okay. just, they, they've worked here. I don't get – it's like sometimes – you know, that's why I love when wrestlers jump and go to different places. Like a lot sometimes of people, that. sometimes guys are yeah. just good in a place. It just works. Yeah. <laughs> it just works for whatever reason, or it doesn't work. I like seeing things. I like seeing guys or girls. I like seeing wrestlers in a new place to just see how it all works out. You know what I mean? Whether for positive or net, because it's just, sometimes it doesn't translate or sometimes it translates better for whatever reason. These are two guys I almost never like, and I've loved them here. You got a three-way knockouts match here. You got Sienna for the knockout championship, of course. Uh, Sienna, the champion, defending against Allie and Gail Kim. It's been a pretty interesting build here. This is Gail Kim's. Uh, they're they're saying it's her last bound for glory or whatever, sort of hinting towards a retirement for her. Allie is is a pretty interesting character as well. She just kind of wants respect. You know, everybody kind of laughs at her. And she thinks she's just kind of the goody two shoes and and just kind of along for the ride. Well, she's trying to prove no, I'm I'm fucking good and I'm gonna win that title. And then Sienna's sort of your big time heel champion that's sort of been dominating the division for a while too. So it's 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 interesting that it's the three-way and they all kind of have different pads and different sort of micro feuds going on within this three-way as well so I, i'm into this match the build's been pretty cool Allie is an awesome performer and she's the highlight of every segment that she's in she's great and she's been great for a long time in this company uh, almost from day one when she was doing the personal assistant gimmick with uh with maria canellis and then of course they did the turn then they did the uh the 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 um the the uh where Braxton Sutter was going to be forced to marry uh Laura Van Ness, but then he, you know, yeah, got dude. together with Allie and 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 Allie, everything she she she's uh, she's a lot like Rusev in that she's involved in absolute shit but makes it work because she's that good of a performer. Uh she's the highlight of every segment she's in and she's one of the highlights of every impact that she's on. And uh for people who don't pay attention to impact, you should pay attention to Allie. Uh, and, and, and I, I don't know what they're going to do here. This is Gail Kim's retirement. Uh, Sienna has been a champion forever. This match probably would have included Taryn Terrell. If she didn't leave the company or whatever happened there. Uh, she came back for like a cup of coffee, um, did some good things on TV and then just, I, she's just gone. I don't know what happened with that, but, uh, probably would have been a four way, but, uh, it, it's a three way. And I really don't know what direction they're going to go because Allie is obviously the one that they've been building up for months and months and months. And, uh, and, and is the one that's, uh, you know, starting to get over with the crowd, Gail Kim, obviously an icon of the promotion. If there can be such a thing in impact, I would consider her an icon of impact wrestling. Um, and she's retiring and she can still go, you know, she has these TV matches and she's just, she's a level above everybody else. And it's not like the other women in this company stink either. You know, it's just, she's a level above everybody else. She's just, she's just a great wrestler. So, uh, and Sienna, you know, I think she's the weak link here, but she's done good character work. Um, you know, KM will be in her corner, Rich. I know you're excited about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Be always and, you know, um, <laughs> charismatic KM. Yeah, I cannot wait. And, uh, you yeah, know, so we'll see what happens. I think the finish will be interesting. I don't think Sienna retains. It's just a question of does Gail Kim win it and then just retire as champion, or do they go right to Alley? What do they do? So, um, what I do know is what they do will probably be smart considering the people that are in charge now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, move on to uh, really one of the, the better built matches on the entire show. Uh, it's a six sides of steel tag team match. Moose and Stefan Bonner versus King Mo and Lashley. Dan Lambert is the greatest character in processing history. That dude's 
promos are awesome. They're just old school, antagonizing the fans, just passion. Like, dude, if you haven't watched a Dan Lambert promo, particularly the one on the Go Home Show, go do that right now. He is he's a, a cut about. He is so much better than anybody in WWE right now. He's leaps and bounds better than yeah. every single person that WWE has. He he cut he's two weeks ago on Impact. He's not a wrestler. It was he's incredible. incredible. He's just a yeah. businessman too. One That's like, he's not even like a promote. He's just a businessman. One of the best TV promos that you'll hear all year. He was really good. Yeah, there's no question. And um, Cliff notes here, Lashley was quitting pro wrestling to go back to to back to his MMA gym. Moose wasn't having it. He's been stalking him basically on TV for the last few weeks. Tracked him down in his gym. uh, Broke into the place. Probably should be in jail because he 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 broke into the gym and then stole like (laughs) title belts and things of that nature. And then uh, you know he found himself an MMA partner. Moose did in Stefan Bonner. And they will take on part-time pro wrestler King Mo and part-time MMA fighter Bobby Lashley in a Six Sides of Steel tag team match. And I'm not going to write this off because the last time they did this with D'Angelo Williams, we made fun of it. And D'Angelo Williams was fucking awesome. So maybe Stefan Bonner will be fucking awesome. Uh, You know, I think Stefan Bonner has the right kind of personality for pro wrestling. Um, You know, so we'll see if he can go. Um, I'm not going to write this off. This can go either way. This can be really fucking bad. Or everything could fall into place, and it could be a really cool match. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of the people involved are, are, are pretty into it. So we'll see when it happens. Because it's been Lashley, a cool little story, and Lambert put it over the top. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, I can't wait. Regardless of whatever it is, I hope. I hope. Yeah. I, like the build has been great. So yeah, even if the match is just kind of yeah there or whatever, it's it's been a fun little ride to get there. So that's always always part of the. the do, you, do you remember the days when we would go over these? We would preview these TNA pay per views, and like none of the matches made sense. They didn't have any kind. Well, of they would, They did this thing where, where many years ago they decided we're going to cut all these pay-per-views and we're going to do three or four a year or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, great. Well, they're going to have a lot of time to build up these matches. Well, then they wouldn't build anything up. And then like a week prior, it was just like, yeah, Bully Ray versus uh, Abyss, whatever. James like, Storm. What? What? Like, why? What? Those guys haven't done anything. Like they just threw matches against the wall. And it's like you had like five months to build this up and you did nothing. And now they, they, everything has been, I mean, this Moose, Stefan Bonner, you know, King Mo Lashley thing has been going on for months and months and months. And it's that's my th- that's my point. Whatever you think of this card, and whether you're going to watch it or not, and most people aren't. I just gave you the stats, Rich. Less than a thousand people bought Slammiversary. Yeah, more people will listen but to the show think- by leaps and bounds that will then will watch. By the show leaps live. and bounds, then we'll watch this show live, without question. But it's like, you know, whatever you think of of Impact or this show, I promise you, I just watched it all. Rich just watched the Go Home. Every one of these matches has been built. Between Slammiversary and now, between Slammiversary and this point, they've been building every one of these matches. So I, I respect that. You know, it, 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 it's, it's really not the impact of old where it's just thrown together at the last minute. Every one of these matches has had a two month has had a two month build as you go all the way down the card. Uh, then we have Abyss with James Mitchell. So James Mitchell will be there versus Grado, and this is a monsters ball match. Um, and the the interesting and you can kind of give, give a little bit of the background. But if Grado loses, his work visa will be terminated and he must leave the United States. Unfortunately, this show is happening in Ottawa, so I guess he has to go back to the United States so that he can leave. So that's, I mean... Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Other than that little aside, the rest of it's been built. Like, so essentially for the background, like Joseph Parks signed and gave, you know, Grado a work visa and sort of been representing him as an agent or whatever. Grado finds out that Joseph Park has just kind of been stealing his money and, and, and using, you, you know, Grado to, to, to be his kind of, I forget the term that they use, but, you know, like his meal ticket, I think sponsor, is exactly sponsor. what they use. Yeah, sponsor, meal ticket, whatever they wanted to use. Well, so Grado challenged Joseph Park and then Joseph Park said, well, you're not going to be facing me. You're going to be facing my brother Abyss. So there you go. 
it'll be a comedy match. Uh, you know, they usually that's usually what Abyss does. For, somehow he does like hardcore comedy match. Yeah. Um, Joe, I wonder. Um, do you think? And, and I'm just just throwing this out here. Do you think somebody is going to go through thumbtacks in this match? Do you think Abyss no. is going to go through thumbtacks in this match? I for I just something in my head is thinking maybe some maybe some thumbtacks here, right? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Abyss falls into tax. <laughs> I was at AEW with people, and I was like, we were we were taking bets. There was like money going on between like 20 people deciding how long it would take before Abyss would throw out tax. And he had a match with I, I forgot who it was. It was like four minutes. And I'm just like, like he go like it was obviously it was like a loaded card, so there wasn't a lot of time for his match. So obviously he had like nine minutes to go or whatever. So it's like a normal thing. He hits a shoulder block. He gets knocked out of the ring, goes under, and just grabs the thumbtacks. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, and then the, he was in the thumbtacks within like another minute after that, and then they they went home after. This. So it was like a six minute match, and the thumbtacks were already out by like minute three or four. It was just it was unbelievable. This man just loves falling on thumbtacks. <laughs> Poor guy, like that's not become his gimmick. Like he shows up, and they're like, all right, yeah, so Abyss, you're gonna take the thumbtacks. He's just like, ah, oh. like one day does he just like I don't want to do the thumbtack thing, guys. Like, but he's he's kind of made that his thing, so it's you kind of have to do it. Like Mick Foley always talked about when he did the elbow off the apron, like it hurt. And he did it a few times, and everyone was like, that's good. And it's just like, oh, man, like now I kind of have to do that, don't I? Becomes your thing. His <laughs> thing is the tax. I don't think anyone would mind if he stopped pulling out the tax, though. Abyss. No, I don't think anybody would mind if he stopped wrestling either. But uh, I yeah. Listen, I was tired of Abyss in 2005. <laughs> Abyss, Abyss, Abyss to me, Abyss to me is, is just like the Dudley Boys, where I think I enjoyed the Dudley Boys for about a month. And then I've been sick of them since 1996, pretty much, for like 21 years. Abyss, I think I enjoyed him for like half of 2005, and I've been sick of him now for 12 years. I just, I've had enough of Abyss. Remember his Ring of Honor run? His brief Ring of Honor run? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, it was such a weird fit, right? Yeah, it did not, uh, did not work out very well. Uh, but I like James Mitchell. Good. Oh, oh, he's, he's the best. He's one of the best. Yeah, he's one of the best managers ever, and he's never going to get the it's, credit. That he it's really a shame that that guy's career didn't wasn't much bigger than it was. I mean, I know he worked in ECW for a long time, where he was great. WCW, where he where he was great. Here, where he was great. But he never had that WWE run, and he never really was like. I don't know. There's just there was always something lacking with with his push. I don't. He's just he was way more talented than 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 the material he was given. Uh, it seems like throughout the duration of his career, I think the guy's great. All right, and then we have a red wedding match, which is basically just a first ball match between Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie. So the big angle here was uh, uh, Taya Valkyrie beating Rosemary to the punch and blowing mist in her face, uh, which is Rosemary's gimmick. Uh, I like Rosemary a lot. I think she's very often uh, the highlight of uh, of the women's matches in this company. Um, Taya Valkyrie comes off like a star, but there's just something missing there for me. Uh, once the bell rings, she's not terrible or anything like that, but I think she projects herself better than she, uh, uh, better than she works. Um, but I did, this can be an okay match. I don't know what the red wedding gimmick necessarily is going to be. I'm sure it's just going to be some kind of hardcore, uh, shenanigans, but, uh, but yeah, it should be fine. It should be a decent undercard yeah, match. I imagine they're wearing white and they're just spraying blood at each other or whatever. Someone's getting cut open or whatever. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's probably, probably Taya. She's, she seems not opposed to, to busting open uh, a lot. So yeah, that probably what we're going to get. Yeah. I, I, I'm assuming it's a first blood match. I don't know. Did they ever state that it was a first blood match? They just kind of said it's a red wedding match. I don't think they ever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know what a red wedding match is. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I didn't pick up on it. So, um, bad job out of us not knowing what this is. Yeah, but. I apologize, but I think I'm almost, I'm almost 100 positive. It's, it's just the first blood match. But uh, then we have our last match. It's a six man tag team match. You got Team Impact, Eddie Edwards, Ethan Carter the third, James Storm versus Team AAA. You got El Hijo Fantasma, Pagano, and Tejano. Yeah, so Team AAA have been the heels on TV. Uh, for the last couple months, and they've been feuding with EC3 and James Storm. Eddie Edwards kind of got shoehorned in there at the last minute. Of course, he's been busy as the uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah GHC yeah. heavyweight champion. They did show the Eddie Edwards Marafuji Eddie Edwards title defense in clipped form uh, two weeks ago on Impact. Uh, so that might be worth seeking out. Actually, just seek out the damn match because it was a really good match. You could find it on the, the Pro Drive or whatever in full rather than watching it clipped. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, they, they found a way to get Edwards involved, which is fine. Um, but yeah, the, the team AAA and, and El Hijo del Fantasma, I just cannot, I was tweeting about this guy earlier today. You know, I knew he, 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 uh, spoke very strong English, but I didn't realize what a strong promo he was. And I should let him talk. I don't know that, that King Cuerno in, uh, yes. In, so j- yeah. just so if you're wondering who the fuck, I, I don't know that King Cuerno, so. Yeah, from uh, from Lucha Underground, but yeah, I, I I'm a huge fan of him. I think that guy has massive upside. I think uh, uh, he's a guy that that if he ever becomes available, WWE, who's constantly in search of their next uh, uh, Mexican superstar, is is a guy that they should definitely look at. I mean, I think he's a great worker. He was my favorite great guy look too. He's got an awesome look too. Jumps off the page, jumps he's up tall. the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got size. Um, great wrestler. He was my favorite guy in Lucha Underground when I was actually watching the place. And he's done a great job here. Um, you know, Pagano, uh, Wild Brawler. Uh, I think most people are familiar with Tejano. Um, but yeah, they've been the the, the heels uh, for the last couple months. And this has been a big feud that they've been having with EC3 and James Storm, both in Impact and in Mexico. So again, another well-built, yeah. solidly built match with a good story. And I think, you know, this show should feature a lot of good brawl. If you're into brawls. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of punching and a lot of kicking and a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of brawling going on throughout this entire thing. Yeah, now maybe, maybe the technical wrestling is not going to be there. Maybe the high flying will get in the X Division match, but a lot of the else is going to be brawls. But it's good. Like, yeah, yeah the OVE, that's going to be a big brawl. Uh, the Obviously, the move Stefan Bonner, King Mo Lashley thing, uh, the Abyss Grado, uh, Rosemary. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's almost like five or six like matches that are just brawlers against each other. But that's, you know, hey. It's built up like an old school kind of pay-per-view thing where it's like these are these are feuds that have been built up and and they're all coming to a head on this night. Yep. And these people just want to fucking kill yep. each other. So it's, it's and there's cool. a lot of there's a lot of stipulations and blow-off style matches here. And you know, they're gonna tape the next set of TV, I guess, in Ontario, right? I think that's what they're gonna uh, do. yeah, yeah. In, in Ottawa. So yeah, they're where they're taping this. Ottawa, Ottawa. Tape yes. Well, it's Ottawa's in Ontario, but uh yeah, it's so they're gonna tape, they're gonna do um, this on Sunday, and I think it's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or something like that. They're going to tape all the all the yeah, TV. and then they'll reset and, and do whatever programs they're going to do for for the winter. You know, because a lot of these feuds will end right here, mm-hmm. um, and then they'll transition to whatever they transition. To. This really is a well booked promotion. I can't knock them for that. You know, it's 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 a it's look. They're not reinventing the wheel here, but it's a solidly booked promotion and a decent TV show. Yeah, you put it on and. You know, maybe it won't command your full attention, but it's, it, you know, I watched seven of them today and none of them were offensive to me. It's just, it's, it's, it's an okay show. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like an average two hour NXT. 
but it never reaches the heights that a good NXT episode reaches. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because NXT is yeah. kind of that way too, where it's just like it's not exciting all the time. It's it, but it's very much like you're not you you haven't wasted two hours watching NXT or you haven't wasted an hour watching NXT. You've gotten right. exactly what you needed out of that episode. It said, "Here's our point. Here's what we want you to care about," and there you go. You cared about it. It's over now, and you're good. Like you're never gonna be blown away. You're never gonna go, "Oh my god, I cannot believe that's what happened on NXT TV." But it's all building up to those takeovers. It's all building up for one central purpose, and that's what TNA is doing right now too. So. Right. So kudos to them. It's it's very concise, very smart booking. And that's something that this company, I mean, there's been years where we've wanted that, so we're getting it. I mean, it might not be the most exciting, but it is what it is. All right, you want to talk uh, NWA here? I know we're, as you said, we're the number one podcast to talk NWA. Well, this is a good uh, good week to talk about it, a good few weeks to talk about it, because they have a lot of good stuff coming up here, uh, particularly what they've been doing lately. Um so we've sort of rumored, we've talked about it a little bit. Obviously, you have Billy Corgan, who's going by what? William James Corgan is now what he's going by. He doesn't want like Billy anymore. I, 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 whatever. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, whatever. Billy, I'm going to say Billy and whatever, because yeah. it's just, I've called him Billy Corgan for like 30 years of my life. So that's, you know, I'm going to call him Billy Corgan again. Uh, yeah, even if I'll try, I'll try to call him William James or whatever. But uh, so it's him and Dave Lagana really is kind of the, the, the creative charge now behind the NWA, the owners of, of NWA, with obviously Corgan being, being the money guy and, and, and Lagana having the wrestling background and the production background and stuff. Um, and they produced a really good series of videos that are up right now on YouTube. If you look up just NWA Wrestling on YouTube, uh, called 10 Pounds of Gold. And it's kind of building towards this really important Nick Aldis, uh, Tim Storm match at Championship Wrestling in Hollywood uh, coming up. What is it? The 13th, right? Or is it next next Saturday is when it's happening? The 13th is... Do I have that date? I, I know it's next. It's not next week. It's the week after. But I it, did I have the right with the 13th? Sorry. No, the 11th. The 11th. The 11th. Okay, that there. I know it was one of the, the but yeah. So they're building up towards this match, and this entire um, this entire video series is, is it's in multiple parts, and the first part is basically a little bit about championship wrestling in Hollywood, a little bit of introduction of these guys. The second part of the video though is one that I definitely want to talk about a lot, and that is when they feature uh, NWA champion Tim Storm, and basically the entire video. And and if you've seen, uh, Dave Lagana did a really good one about uh, Drew Galloway during WrestleMania weekend of of, and he got really lucky too because Drew Galloway got a very good call during WrestleMania weekend that said, hey, why don't you come back to NXT and come to TakeOver or whatever, which you know caught them by a little bit of surprise as well. But it was all about Drew Galloway and, and what he was doing during WrestleMania weekend and the travel and just you know getting in the ring and doing that stuff like that. Well, this Tim Storm one was very similar like that. It was just a profile piece. Here is NWA champion Tim Storm. This is what the NWA title means to him. This is a little bit of background about Tim Storm. This is what Tim Storm's life is. This is what Jim, or Tim Storm's wife Thinks about Tim Storm, and here's Tim Storm showing that you know this is important to him, and the NWA title is important to him, and he's he's going to wrestle Nick Aldis at Championship Wrestling in Hollywood, you know, in two weeks. It was fantastic. I fucking loved it, and I knew you would. Um, I watched it before you, and I knew it was right up your alley. And I said, Rich, you have to watch this because you're going to love this. And there is no way videos and not come away from them being an enormous fan of Tim Storm even if you've never heard of the guy before you watch the videos or if you've never seen him wrestle. I've seen Tim Storm wrestle, I don't know dozens of times that I think is fair. I mean, he gets booked on every single Texas indie show that there is. Um, He's 52 years old. He's a veteran journeyman of the indie scene. He's well liked by everyone. Um, You know, He's got a reputation for being a super nice guy. And when he won the NWA title from Jack's Dane, it was sort of described locally as sort of a gold watch to his career. You know what I mean? Um, and this was long before Billy got involved. This was still, you know, the dying days of the Bruce Tharp era. 
And, um, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of people, you know, laughed at it and mocked it. This 52 year old guy, who the hell is he? No one ever heard of Tim storm. Um, but, but done, you cannot come away from these videos without being an enormous fan of this guy. And I, now, and I think they've sort of for, for all this, the former Magnus to win the title on the 11th and uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood. Um, I think they've got to switch gears now because I think these videos were so effective in getting Tim storm over as sort of this Terry funk, like grandfatherly um, last stand 